at my signal. Unleash hell. You are tuned in to the round table. Right here on PSN Radio. Welcome on, welcome all to another exciting episode right here on the Roundtable Show, live on PSN Radio and SoFloRadio.com. I am joined tonight by a double duel of terror on the internet, the one and only Zod Ryder. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. How are you? Ah, well, I've seen better days, but who's complaining? And uh, joining us tonight, the one and only, the man of the hour, the Tower of Terror, the graphic vandalism senior head honcho himself, Johnny Alpha. What's up? Not much. That's a hell of a title, right? <laughs> uh, well, Nerds from the Underground is the name of my show. Uh, graphic vandalism is my YouTube channel. And um, actually, like, I'm, I'm planning on dropping the Alpha, and I'm just going to either call myself Johnny Vandal or Johnny the Graphic Vandal. I'm not sure yet, but I'm going to drop the Alpha for my name soon. Well, you are the you're the Vandal. Yeah, well, you, you're the grand, you know, Vandal of uh, graphic novels, so might as well. Yeah. Plus, you're, like I mean, the grand, uh, you're like the Grand Thon or the Grand Emerald Thon of graphic novels. That's that blue guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that blue man group dude that chases around um, the rebels. Okay, cool. I, I could be him. He's fine. He's chasing uh, Ezra Miller, buddy. Yeah, he's lucky he didn't get choke slammed <laughs> like some chick outside of a bar in fucking um, Iceland or wherever the hell that was. Huh? You want to fight? You want to fight? It's like Jesus! I just wanted an autograph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God. you know, pump, pump the brakes, Flash. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> See what happened there, guys. Well, you know, the media doesn't want to report on because you know the fake news. They don't want to tell you that she was seeking an autograph, and since he's the Flash. He went to Flashpoint and he saw her in the future trying to like choke slam him. So he choke slammed her just to defeat her from choke slamming him. Yeah, she definitely had like um she was partly responsible for uh, <laughs> the Joker killing Lois Lane. And yes. like yeah, he had he had to put her down before the injustice universe became a Correct. reality. Yeah. So he really is a hero. <laughs> <laughs> Like so, like somebody should remix that video and put like that somebody saved me song from Smallville, because that's what he's doing to the world. He's saving us from total annihilation thanks to that one fan. Yeah, the domino yeah. effect would have been terrible. That could work. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you guys uh, staying safe uh, during the kung flu era? Everybody good? Um, yeah. I'm, well, I'm just a fucking essential employee, so I've been working. But yeah. And I I work from home, so I really don't uh, see the outside world all that much. So, yeah, I'm staying safe, too. That's good to hear. Good to hear. Um, You know, we had a uh, death in the world of Hollywood this week, which was really, really, really uh, depressing. Because somebody I think we all kind of like saw as kids growing up. And he was like an old man then. And he was really, really old now and passed away. I can't remember him when he was young. Because, you know, I'm not as old as he was. But uh, first time I came in uh, into uh, knowing who uh, this gentleman was was in the movie Cocoon. A uh, good old-timer, the one and only, Wilford Brimley. 
Yeah. Rest yeah, in peace. It's, it's a shame. He had a he had a great run though. Um and he, he was he was such a prominent part even during our childhood, like you said, and he was he was already like a codger and yep. um after that he kind of even stuck around and was the world's favorite diabetic with his liberty medical commercials i mean the guy never wait, really wait, went wait, away was, like, was that the quaker oats guy yeah that yeah guy, quaker oats um cocoon he was the doctor in the thing yeah like wilford brimley was in like everything when we were kids man <laughs> bro like like legend like when I say like you know iconic I'll, actor I'll from the eighties in, in the firm with Tom Cruise where where he actually got into a fist fight with Tom Cruise I thought that was pretty epic considering how old he was then yeah yeah, 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 yeah. he he'd probably would have wanted if it was in real life too because like yeah man Wilfred Brimley don't fuck around he's he got diabetes man that stuff <laughs> that stuff don't play around. No, he knows how to defend himself, or he knew. Uh, he was uh, born in 1934, guys. We're losing our old-timers. 1934, uh, passed away on the 1st of uh, this month, a few days ago. And uh, our deepest condolences to him. Uh, you know, he was up there in age. But I mean, every time you lose somebody, like, great from our childhood, it, like, it feels like we're getting old, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, I already do. Like, I found out that um, Kids is 25 years old. Like Whoa. last week, the movie Kids yeah. is twenty five years old. Like I remember watching that when like I was a freshman in high school. So yeah, like I feel like a fogey already. But yeah, yeah. you start hearing people like Brimley passed away and all the other people that um, it's actually kind of slowed down. Like this year's this year's been really bad, but it hasn't been like you know like how two thousand seventeen was with just all the celebrities that we love just constantly passing away. That at least. That kind of slowed down a little bit. A little bit, but you know, this year hasn't been easy on on the death front to begin with, as we all know. We you know we need to mention the uh, the hidden killer, the plague. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but other than that, celebrities in general, you know, it's it, they've been hit pretty hard when it comes to like uh, you know certain deaths. But as far as name wise, I mean, this is like one of like the top names this year, obviously that, that we've lost. Uh, so again, my condolences to his family for you know losing uh, such a great actor and name and family member. But uh, he did have a, a huge run, forty nine film credits. Uh, I mean, a career spanning. Decades. Yeah, and when he wasn't doing films, he was on TV. He had like a show called like Our House. He had like six or seven really successful TV shows that like he basically yeah. started two over the years. So like, yeah, he was like ever present on in some form of media. Yep, yep. Forever though, he's going to be at least to me known as the old guy from Cocoon. Like I, I love that the Cocoon and the Cocoon Returns, and of course he played Sheriff Mitchell in a movie called Jackals. Is that the one with Bruce Willis and uh, Richard Gere, or like they? No, no. That you think about oh. the Jackal? That's oh. the Jackal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackals is a movie about American justice. Uh, it's about a cop in a small town near the Mexican border and finds themselves caught up in a scheme that smuggles illegal aliens into the country. Geez, sounds familiar, right? That should be called co- coyotes, not. <laughs> Right, they, they got the they got the wrong animal for that name. For reals, uh, yeah, no, that's a nineteen eighty five eighty six. I want to say on that era. Yeah. yeah, it's an old 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 movie, but uh, it's, a, it's actually a pretty good movie. He did a lot of like you know indie movies and stuff like that, also, which uh, now would probably cost like fifty million to make. Back then, they were like a million dollar movie, you know, like really really inexpensive. Uh, it tells you about inflation, right? Right. 
<laughs> like, you couldn't get away with doing, like, Star Wars nowadays. You know, it cost $10 million back then. Now it would be, like, $150 million for the same movie. Uh, well, you could, but you'd have to go someplace screwy to film it. Like, you'd have to, like, film it in, like, um, Turkey or something like that to be able to, like, even try to make it for, like, le- um, anywhere around that kind of money. So, yeah, there, there are hard. ways to do it, but it, it'll be hard as hell. For $10 million, just on travel and uh, food expenses alone. Especially the way Mark Hamill eats these days. You see how big he got again? Jesus. Is he puffy again but already? Yeah, though. He did lose a lot of weight for Force Awakens. I mean, he was down to uh, Mark Hamill early 20s shape for Force Awakens. It was incredible how good he looked in that 30 seconds he was in the film. And then all he did was turn around and that was it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, but, talk, but again, though, talk about getting in shape for a film to resemble that character. That's how much faith he had in the character back at that during that time. He thought, you know, they're gonna they're gonna use Luke in a great way, and look at look at how he looked. He looked great, didn't he? I mean, that's he did. That's the the point. I mean. But then the, by Last Jedi, it was clear what they were doing, and he was just like, out of hell with it. So if I was him, I would be eating like uh, Weird Al Yankovic in the uh, fat video, too, because yeah. they, just, you know, they just basically threw out his character arc. So it's like there's no motivation to you know, really look like the, you know, the, the hero that had, they'd spent so much time building up. I got to get a hold of him, though. Like, I really want to get him and Annie Potts back together and do like a sequel to Corvette Summer. Like I think that, that like needs to be done and see if he could get skinny for that. As, as people huh. or I mean, I think it'd be an interesting idea to do it as old people to yeah, see I mean, how yeah, like to see you know, that's actually not a bad idea, Johnny. I know you're saying it to be funny, but I think I think you could actually do something on that level with the with those actors. They're good enough factors. I mean, you know, Plus, I mean, like, they tried to play the first movie so seriously that, like, even if they were camp as hell in the sequel, it'll be more warranted because, like, they, they really tried to make the first Corvette Summer such, like, a serious movie when it should have been a little more silly. So, like, even if they do show up and play at camp, it, it probably will come out better than the first one anyways. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, they should have had this on playing at the end of the... Uh... The Force Awakens. You don't want to get you don't want to get your channel pulled by Ace of Base of all fucking. <laughs> Tell me how that, that would have been perfect at the end of the Force Awakens, though. It's like, well, Jack, how did you get PSN canceled? Oh, I got DMCA'd by Ace of Base. <laughs> Uh, you've heard of Rick Rolled? Well, I just got Ace the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> Don't turn around. Yeah, that would have been like the perfect track to play at the end of the day. Man, he got so screwed. Now, there's reports. I don't know if you guys read about this or, or seen more Doomcock video. 
shout out no, to Dean Clark. I've become disenchanted with his stuff. I think he's just doing it for clicks, and I yeah. think 90% is bullshit. So, yeah, no, man. Well, he did. He's, he's he did. He hit on. Man. Oh, yeah, he's but he hit a. You hear him something though that in Mike Zero territory now, so you know I. Oh, that's that's low, bro. That is low, Mike Zero. Really, that's because nothing nothing ever says come true. But no, but he did. You hit on something which I think it, it's very possible. We've talked about it before: the rebooting of Star Wars in a soft way, and uh, he's you know bringing up more and more the. Uh, the time travel aspect uh, with a veil of the force being, you know, brought into question. And uh, Mike Zero now is like, you know, it's funny you bring him up because he's been zeroing in, zeroing in on that rumor also, which is something I brought up months ago. It's like nine videos a day, so he does, you know, he has a basic format that anybody could mimic really, really well because he does nine videos a day. His titles are complete clickbait, and in once yep. in every video, he mentions the title of the video as part of the as part of the answer to the to the clickbait video. So it's 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 bizarre to me. So he's cool, Mike Zero? Like the new Umberto from Latino Review. Basically this Mike Zero character, he's like on that type of level of No, because Umberto Umberto actually Zero had like some say, Umberto actually I, had some like backing. Mike Zero had like his imagination. Go ahead, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree with you. Okay. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know any of these fellas. I mean, I know who Doomcock is, and I know a lot yeah. of those guys, like even Midnight's Edge, as reputable as they seem, like when um, the news is down, they'll just pump out the same crap everybody else is saying, too. So that's why I'm a little, I, I like those type of channels. I don't follow them very often, and I don't really care what they have to say about most things because they just... They just stick with the status quo and I say what the fucking know, angry I, sides of fandom I like have to say. Edge, though. I've done some. I've done some. Uh, I've been on some uh, some uh, YouTube streams with them. They're a pretty okay bunch of bunch of people, and they seem to have uh, legitimate sources. But you are correct, Johnny, in the fact that if you know the news isn't, if the news is really thin, they tend to just kind of go over stuff that they hear from other sources or stuff that's been reported just generally like and i and i think i think everybody tends to do that now particularly yeah. when they're reporting news because it's a clickbait world that we live in yeah like i said they're, they're probably the most reputable out of like the people that make those kind of videos but like yeah i, I was saying like even they at times will just kind of pump out that that same crap video that like you know uh, watch mojo or looper one of them channels would have out too you know what i mean but like you said it's probably because the cycles just shit at the at that week you know what i mean no i'm not trying to like you know uh brag or anything but a lot of the stuff they're like talking about now is stuff that we've covered here on the show before like months ago which is kind of uh, making me think uh, maybe they're watching our, our feeds or listening to our shows because when they talk about the Veil of the Force, who was bringing that up months ago? Before, were. Yeah, were. before you anybody were. else. Before any of these yep. cats were talking about it, I was like, that's how you fix it. This is what you do if you want to retcon softly Star Wars. You used the Veil of the Force. They should have used that for Rise of Skywalker. That would have fixed the entire problem. And I, I, I said it before the movie came out. The one way you fix everything. When Luke dies at the end of uh, The Last Jedi, instead of him actually dying, well, he disappears, 
in the next movie. He could have just reappeared in the veil of the force. Somebody pulled him in, told him, hey, uh, you really didn't die. This is what's going on. And that would have fixed the entire thing. See, what I would do is, like, I would totally just pull something out of George Lucas's tool belt, and, like, I would just shoot a new scene at the end and put it at the end of um, The Crossing of Jaywalker, where at the very end you have Han Solo jump up from being asleep and Leia being like, honey, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, man, I just had this shitty nightmare. Only problem is that Leia is no longer here with us, so it's going to be kind of tough. Well, you know Marvel could, like, use their CGI necromancy and have, like, a quick scene of, like, or just have somebody pretend to do Carrie Fisher's voice and have, like, a, a hand on hand sh- um, on hand shoulder. And him be like, I just had this terrible nightmare. Don't tell me the odds, you know? And just like... <laughs> and they have just the thing in. And then they're like, see? That, that entire trilogy was Han's nightmare. And now, on to the real Star Wars. Like, yeah, I mean, there, there's any number of ways that they could retcon it out if they wanted to, which I think will eventually be the reality. I mean, uh, you know, sadly, though, with the way the uh, world is, with the uh, culture and the uh, diversity uh, agenda being pushed, we would end up with somebody like Caitlyn Jenner replacing Leia. I remember, Jackal, the pendulum always swings back and forth. So even though we're going through this shitty thin-skinned time period now, it's not always going to be that way. So eventually it's going to swing back. And when it does, then that'll be the time when it'll be ripe to reboot Star Wars. I don't think the time is right now. I don't think they, they'll even they'll even attempt it at, the, at this yeah. moment. But, no, they'll just no. put out something that's similar to what everybody already hates, so it'd be but, pointless if they even but, tried. But, yeah. once, but once we get into a better a better time where where it's no longer the way it is now that and all that other stuff is out of the way then they'll then maybe they'll reconsider it so i would say we've got at minimum about 10 years before anything like that happens and that's minimum uh you know otherwise you know it it's going to be it's going to be even longer but i but i wouldn't i wouldn't expect it anytime soon and i guess that's my biggest problem with like with like Doomcock and some of these other people, they're making it seem like it's, it's tomorrow. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Happen, <laughs> like it's going to happen within the next year or two. And with the way things are now, especially with you know with the with the dreaded disease that we're living through, you know, we don't even know what the movie landscape is going to be like a month from now. Let alone you know a couple years into the future. So I mean, I think they really need to cool it with that stuff because that's I mean because there's no way that anything new like that is going to happen with Star Wars. Most most productions are completely halted at this point and they can't do anything yeah. anyway with properties that have been in production, you know? So so I don't know. Well, I think the, I think the one blessing no, you're absolutely right, but the one blessing that they do have with something like Star Wars and a property like that is that most of it can be done in-house in the uh, warehouse sure. type of environment with green and screens. Can, and they can always do animation for a lot of yeah, stuff, and, too. And, and, right. Animation and CGI. Because yeah. they're talking about doing animation stuff now for more animation stuff for DC, too. They're talking about doing more animation stuff for Marvel and the DC universes and all this stuff now to fill in the gaps for stories in between while they wait for, uh, you know, movie productions to become yep. more, uh, more reasonable at this point. 
because of the plague. So I, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised to see more, you know, Star Wars centric animated shows since they seem to do well with animation. Yeah. And like that, animation can be done in house. They don't have to. They they don't need that's need people to go out and do live action for that. I mean, voice actors they can do all that stuff from home. So yeah, practically Plus, be done. Uh, us know. 90, us 90s kids, you you can attest to this, Zod. We didn't know if we were ever going to get any Star Wars, and we were mm-hmm. we were living fine off of just the comic book Star Horse was giving us. I mean, that was yep. our Star Wars fix for that decades. Was good stuff, and it was yeah. good stuff. It was well written and it was great material. So, with that being said, I mean, b- do more animated stuff based off of that. Dick in, dip, dip into that if you want to. If you want to touch and you want to do some other stories, hell, take uh, Colin Trevorrow's uh, Star Wars Episode Nine script and make that into a animated movie. Take Dark Empire and turn that into an animated series if you want to. But do something. With do something else with these characters to keep Star Wars, you know, keep Star Wars moving with act, with storylines that people are actually interested in. Because I know they got what they got season two of uh, Mandalorian, but has that completely finished filming or was that stalled? Yeah, too? I, no, I they, they they finished the f- um, principal photography on that months ago. Uh, before the lockdowns happened, principal photography was done. That's good good for Mandalorian, then, at least. At least get a season two of that that will be, you know, that'll be good. They've been working on uh, all the, you know, effects and aftershots and and everything else, uh, you know, since. But uh, that's actually almost uh, finished, uh, wrapped up the entire production on that. That's why you're getting all, like, the the leaks of who's going to be in it, who's this person, who's that person. Because, you know, now they're wrapping up, you know, the the actual, um, you know, feed to the fans of how they're going to, like, actually advertise the show, considering uh, they there's so much that's going to happen in this season. They're you know starting to, you know early before the season actually gets put on um, uh, Disney Plus, uh, or you know they're going to give you a, a little bit of information without like spoiling it. I hope I hope they don't like go overboard just to like you know get us all wet again because everybody's already wet when it comes to the Mandalorian. We don't need to like have all the information. Just give us the you know the episodes and you know, I'm good I with prefer- that. I prefer the term moist. I'm moist. I'm not wet. Okay, moist. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think what I think what would work really cool for them. But I don't know if Disney would ever have the spine to do it. But if they got the people who do um, Castlevania for Netflix Ooh, to yeah. do a um, Knights of the Old Republic um, American style anime based on that, that's a little bloodier, a little gorier about the old days of the. Um, galaxy far far away i think that could be pretty brutal and pretty interesting and a lot of people would get into i don't know disney plus has been censoring episodes of the clone wars so i don't know how (coughs) how much we can hope for a bloodier grittier series they've even got me worried about this new batch series that they're planning on doing because how deep do you want to take it if you're censoring existing episodes of the clone wars it's it's yeah. It's it kind of doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. So I I don't know. Yeah, what's uh, what, what would be the point? I mean, I, honestly, they, if I was Disney, I would put anything that is Star Wars related on Hulu and just leave it there. I mean, you know, why even put it on Disney if you're going to start censoring for the Disney audience? That's what you have Hulu for. I mean, I I don't get it. I really don't get yeah. it. It's uh, why have both if you're going to like. Not 
put at least you know really really good content on on both uh you know of course you know we're all expecting the orville to come back on hulu and that just got uh renewed for another season and they're talking about a season four also renewal for for the orville so i mean that's where a lot of these shows should go anyway you know like make that the home for sci-fi and you know a little bit more adult oriented cartoons or stuff like that you know Speaking of which, I, I've been seeing it all over the trending tab and all over. Have you guys checked out that new Star Wars, Star, Star Trek cartoon everybody's been watching oh, about? Oh, Lower Decks? Decks? Yeah. I, it, you know, it reminded me a little bit of Resistance um, for Star Wars, the way like the uh, characters interact, a little goofy and funny. Um, it's okay. It's very kid-friendly. Um, you know, it, I I went through half of the uh, first episode. It, it was decent. It was nothing special. Uh, but I mean, it's only the first couple episodes that are you know out now. So once you know we see the whole season play out, we'll see how how good or or not it is. But it's totally a kid show. I mean, you're not gonna, if you're not an adult fan of like the original series or the Next Generation, or you like some of the more serious stuff like Deep Space Nine or the Borg or anything like that, this might not be up your alley. And you might complain about it, like some people complain about resistance. Yeah, uh, I, I don't really, you know. I don't really think it's a, I don't really see it as a Star Trek show. It just comes off as, it's just something for kids that they put out yeah. there to try and be fun and to try and be funny. And I think it kind of misses the mark, and it's going to bite them in the butt in the end. But it's Is what it they better decided, than Picard, though. It's Is what it they better? decided to do. So I don't know. Yeah, like I said, it's okay from what I've seen so far. It could get better. I mean, Resistance was okay at first, and then it got really good. Um, and the the last few episodes were, like, phenomenally good. Like, I really loved the way the, the show ended. Well, Resistance started good, though, man. Like, I, I got it. Yeah, it started pretty good, there. but then it got really, really good by, like, the middle of the season. Then, like... I don't know, like, I don't know, something happened to that show, like, I guess they, they heard some of the criticism, and the writing got, like, really superb for a kid's show. I mean, they, they dealt with some really cool stuff on there, and they still kept the humor, the goofiness of the characters, you know, like, they didn't change up the characters, but the storylines just got a whole lot better. Um, I hope that happens to Lord Dex. Uh, I don't know if it will. Uh, I love I love that know. episode where Poe and and dude got stuck on that planet with the little salacious crumb monkeys, but there was like salacious crumb gorillas too. I yeah, like, dude, that's badass, dude. That was so <laughs> cool because like I'd never seen those creatures again since salacious crumb. So it was like really neat yeah. to explore like. And then you got to see them getting fried in a Mandalorian, which I thought was messed up, but great, too. Just like, yeah, man, eat yourself a little salacious crumb monkey. That's that's gross. <laughs> one thing, yeah, one thing I was kind of like, uh, you know, like let down by was the fact they didn't have Poe in there enough. Or, the, you know, R2-D2 or C-3P. Like, they weren't really featured on there. Which I, I, I don't know. I, I liked it because at least it, it made it that kid's show. You know, it, it was about him. You know what I mean? Poe did show up and like he would work with them. Like he had no Poe was like in six or seven episodes. That's that's not bad for like you know having a big Oscar Isaac show up and actually voice it and stuff. That was actually yeah. really cool. And um, I don't know. I liked the main character. I, I liked everybody until, except for that mm -hmm. the one mechanic chick when she screws everybody over. Then I, I hated her. I got all Nicki Minaj with her, like you a stupid hoe, you a stupid stupid hoe, you a stupid hoe, you a stupid stupid hoe. <laughs> yeah, but she redeemed herself pretty good at the end. So yeah, that was, I think that was that was her story arc, her fall to the dark side, and then her redemption. <laughs> 
It was, that was a good cartoon, though. I don't understand why anybody was mad about it. The, I, I like the animation style. I like yeah. the characters. I thought that it was a really interesting, neat take on Star Wars, even though it reminded mm-hmm. me of an anime I'd seen. At least, like, they took it in the anime direction and not just trying yep. to be like, okay, this is just another Star Wars cartoon. It's like, like it was, I, I dug it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> And uh, I, I'd like, you know, I actually would like to see in live action the character of Kaz, the main character, uh, Kazuda. Um, I think that's a, that was a really cool character. Like, if they brought him on board, like, see, they did a uh, live TV show with Poe or him. Yeah. I, that'd be interesting if they actually brought this into live action somehow. That's one thing I don't think they'll ever do, though. I don't think you're going to see any, any of the, really any of the... Uh, uh, sequel trilogy characters pop up in anything new live action that they do, especially if these rumors are true that they're trying to distance themselves from that trilogy. I mean, and you have the fact that all you have all these actors going around speaking out, and they they were in the the new trilogy, and they're all out there talking crap about it now because all the all the NDAs have left. Have you seen John Boyega? I oh, John Boyega has lost his I mind, think, dude. I think even I think even Oscar Isaac has gone out and said some things too. He, I mean, they, he said he's they never are, working like, for Disney again. From yeah, what I they, heard from they, they're like they're like not pulling any punches. Even even Daisy Ridley's talking crap. So as far as as far as that goes, I think if anything is going to make them move away from that sequel trilogy faster. It's the fact that even the actors don't want to be in anything involved in the future that has to do with those characters. I mean, it's... Well, they're, they're, yeah, but their basic gripe is with uh, Ryan Johnson and the last two movies. Uh, you know, the last one was Disney's involvement. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can totally understand. Yeah, I mean the, the the meddling in the Rise of Skywalker was something they both uh, both uh, Ridley uh, uh, Daisy Ridley and uh, John Boyega complained about, but Poe uh, Dameron's uh, you know Oscar Isaac has kind of like been not as vocal. I mean, he said a thing here or there, but he hasn't really like been as vocal well, as uh, the other ones. Well, he's a professional actor. Let, I mean, right. Let's be honest, Oscar Isaac is established. That dude is like. He's a big name actor. He doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate. I, I hate to say it, but I don't think that Oscar Isaac really gives you know two nickels about uh, Star Wars. He's a serious no, actor. He, he has, has a huge career to, way he's before got, that. He's got no, no, but he he's now, a big so. fan. No, but he's a big Star Wars fan. In fact, uh, his he even talked about his uncle and him. Uh, who was a huge fan of, since he was a little kid, and he got his uncle a part in the uh, trilogy. Uh, and his uncle's not even an actor, but he brought him on the set, and J.J. was like, you want to be in a scene? And he's like, yeah! And he had him suit up as uh, one of the creatures, and he, and he was in the scene. Um, so, I mean, he was very, very uh, yeah, thankful for that. He, so. may not talk, he might not talk as much crap as the others. Right. Well, he's but more professional. That he, that he wasn't happy with the direction they took the movies either. So it's so it's kind of like, you know, because I think they, I believe they asked him. I, he was interviewed, and I remember them saying, "Would you want to continue on as Poe Dameron in, in in some sort of series or something?" And all he simply said was, "No." He didn't elaborate on it. He didn't go into it. He didn't talk crap. He just said no. Yeah, but so, then he did. But then he did voices for resistance. So uh, you know, with this money, yeah, you but, never but know. But remember, the resistance was leading up to 
Rise of Skywalker. I'm talking right, about right. anything now, like now that they're they're done with those movies. If you were expecting to see any of these characters pop up in future shows or movies or whatever, that's what I'm saying I don't think is going to happen. I'm not talking about all the stuff leading up to what they've already done because that's already done. But yeah. he, you know, you know, but to me it's like I, I think I think that's why I think a lot of these rumors are true that they're distancing themselves from those movies and then maybe later on down the line they may end up, you know, wiping them from canon somehow and replacing them with different movies. But I just I just don't see them doing and I think they're gonna try to stay away from these movies as much as possible. But and, um I mean on to what Jack will say, though, if they do ever do Kaz in live action, I totally hope they would get that um, Asian jock guy from Cobra Kai to play him. I think he would be really good as Kaz in live action. That'd be cool. Now, fish sticks are dope. That guy. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just yeah. can't wait. Guys, I just can't wait till we get more Cobra Kai. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's yeah. be honest. I mean, I mean, Star Wars, I mean... There's not much to say right now, but yeah, I mean, some more Cobra Kai would be excellent. Oh, that's like the one thing we're all like with. That and The Mandalorian are the, like, the only two shows I'm really like like going goo-goo and getting myself all wet for. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not moist. Are, I'm fully getting, wet. Aren't we getting, aren't we going to get Cobra Kai this year? Isn't Netflix going to give that to us at the end of the year, the new season? I know that that's, they're going to yeah. start airing the first two seasons, I think, this month on there. Yeah. So I think that that might mean that the new one's coming soon. I don't know how Netflix plays that. Well, what game, Netflix but. did, what they did, which was kind of like weird, and uh, they, they've reported on this on several YouTube channels, and I don't have Netflix myself, so I, I can't confirm it, but it's been confirmed by other folks that I know that have Netflix. They pulled uh, the Karate Kid movies all from Netflix. And the reason they did that, uh, from at least uh, my understanding, from you know reading some of the reasons why, was uh, they're going to hold off on re-releasing them back into Netflix until the season three of Cobra Kai is ready. Once that season is ready, bam, they're going to put them all back in there. Hmm. That's neat. So it, it's going to be like to draw hype back into it. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be like well, a remastered makes, version. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. And it's going to be like a remastered, cleaned up version of the movies. So you're going to get all, you know, the Karate Kid, the, the original three. I don't think they're going to put the next Karate Kid in there or the uh, Jaden Smith reboot or anything like that. But you're going to get like the first three Karate Kid uh, films uh, with uh, remastered. Uh, on Netflix, along with the uh, Cobra Kai uh, first couple seasons, and then season three will hit on Netflix. Because remember, Netflix dumps the entire season also at once. So it's going to be like a, a leading up to event type of thing they, they want to do. Which kind of, like, again, it makes sense from a PR standpoint. But it's funny, like, they're pulling the, like, the movies now, and everybody's like, why would they do that? That's so weird. Well, it's called marketing. <laughs> This is a most little... people. Most people that are fans already own the movies anyway, yeah. so it's not yeah. Big deal. Well, yeah. I have the first one. I never really, really liked part two or three too much, but yeah, I have all of them. Well, I mean, really? like, I'm gonna probably have to watch part two since like it's gonna play so much into this next season. A lot of the people from part two are gonna be showing up in it, so I'm probably gonna buy that and watch it again. But because I, I just remember when I was a kid, I didn't care too much for it. I, I probably would understand it a lot better now that I'm older. 
Really? You didn't like part two? That was like, man, I love that movie. That was uh, such a good movie. Yeah, I mean, I liked them all, actually. I liked yeah. every one of them, except, I mean, I wasn't uh, too happy with Next Karate Kid, but I did like like the original three. I really didn't have a problem with any of them. Yeah. I, the third one, I thought it was a great way to, like, you know, cap off the first two movies because it brought and it back home. And then it's not, and then to not only that, Jackal, to add to that, then when we got Cobra Kai, it just makes you appreciate the first uh, the first three movies even more. Because yeah. there's so much they can expand upon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not, not only that, it's like when you look at them now and you look at the characters that are still around, the actors that are still around, uh, it, it really makes the world they built seem like realistic in a sense. Like you almost feel part of the family in, in a strange way. Like you're viewing it from the outside, but like, you know, these are people you grew up watching. In those three movies, and you know, to see them come back and the love they have for the characters, it's awesome. It looks like what's his name from Mike? Isn't it Mike Barnes from Part Three? It looks like he's coming. He's going to be in the third season of Cobra Kai. Yeah. So there you go. (laughs) That's going to be interesting too to see if either he's going to be the new um, challenger to Johnny, or if he's going to join with Johnny because he basically was like Johnny Two Point Oh. So that would be really neat to see how those two yeah, characters, tweeted, if they end up... Out, he tweeted out something about Cobra Kai Season 3, I think, last week. So, Well, the one that hasn't been confirmed uh, is uh, Terry Silva uh, coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a little... Yeah, well, that dude's a little bit older. Terry well, Silva. Well, actually, he's, he's not that much older than, uh, than Mike Barnes. They're only like a couple years apart, which is funny because in the movie, he plays yeah, a much Mike older Barnes, character. Mike Barnes still... My, yeah, and Mike Barnes still yeah. looks like Mike Barnes, though. Yeah, he looks a lot better. He's aged better. That's obviously he true. But definitely yeah. looks, he definitely looks more like the character. It's just like Daniel still looks like Daniel. You know? Yeah, yo, he's got he's got that disease, like the forever young disease. Yeah, dude, Robacho ain't ever gonna age, man. Macho yeah, never Macho's like pushing sixty, and looks like he's twenty eight. <laughs> right, it's crazy. Right. So it's 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 insane. And I, I'm expecting that we're going to see Elizabeth Shue as uh, Allie coming back yeah. in season three too. Um, there's so much that I think she's going to, and I think she's going to break up with her doctor husband, and she's going to hook up with Johnny again. That's what I think. I think that's going to be the end result. Like he, she hooks up with Johnny, and I think that uh, with Daniel going to um, to Okinawa in the uh, next season, I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to like have Miyagi Do Karate over there with uh, Chosun, and he's going to actually be... They're, they're, the rumor is Chosun's going to be a good guy this, this time. Yeah, he's redeeming his uh, his uncle Soto for like what he yep. did over there. Yep. And uh, and the re- and I think that the reason why Daniel it goes over there is because, and this is just my speculation, uh, this is just me uh, shooting off the hip here, but I think in between the years that we haven't you know known about what Daniel's been up to, Part of what happened was he already was friends with Shozan at this point. That's why he's going to Okinawa, to go back and meet a friend who he once was enemies with. To kind of like, you know, take him back to the days of Miyagi when they were in Okinawa. And I think they're going to have like a little bit of a tension in the very beginning. When like, you know, when he first meets Soto and he gets off the car and he has the glasses on and looks all tense. But it's going to be like a flip reversal where he's not like a dick. Where he like, he gives Daniel a hug and they're like, and we're going to be like, oh, wait a second. 
So they're friends now. And it's going to be like a twist to, like, their story. And we're going to find out, like, you know, that you know, in time, you know, he understood that what he did was wrong. And that his uncle was right, that Miyagi was right. And and then we're going to, I think, be introduced to the Miyagi-Do Karate school that he has over there in honor of not Mr. Miyagi, uh, that Daniel was trained by, but, but, his, but Miyagi's father, who trained our, you know, Pat Morita's Mr. Miyagi. Oh, so it's, and I'm hoping that there's some, going to be something in there where Daniel is a complete dick and he cheats on his wife with Kamoko. I hope to God it happens. Oh, that'd oh be so God, good. <laughs> really, really turned Daniel into a dick. So say, not only is he a dickhead, but <laughs> he's, he, he's an asshole. And he cheats on his wife too. Oh my God! Yes. Well, now, part of the reason why supposedly he goes to Okinawa is because she leaves him temporarily. So he might even not even be cheating on her. He might be over there just like yeah. depressed that his marriage is falling yeah, apart. Then they, they rekindles the flame. Him. And oh my God, yeah, his wife leaves him, and then he meets up. He hooks up with Kamoko, and yeah. and Johnny is going to hook up with. With Ali, with Ali. So you're yeah, gonna have, you're gonna have that dynamic, yeah, because it's it's over with that with that with that uh, with Miguel's mom. I mean, there there's no way that 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 relationship is being recovered. <laughs> so Johnny, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, you, you never know because I mean, if he puts his neck out to try to help her son after what happened, and you know, Ali comes in and saves his life, and he's able to walk again. She might like you know forgive him, but that would create an interesting love triangle between Johnny and you know the the mom and Allie and like you know, they, they might have their own little love triangle right there. But that, guys, this is how much we love this show. We could speculate on it like it's a daytime soap opera, but not because <laughs> not because we actually want it to become daytime soapish, but because we love these characters and can totally see them going in all sorts of different directions. But so see, that's they, what's beautiful about the the show is that it's soap opera for us. This is the kind of soap opera we right, like to right, watch. Right, right, you know? <laughs> right. That's a good. That's another good way of looking at it. This yeah. is not like your do your soapy dopey like uh, General Hospital. Okay, this is, this is not days of our lives. This is like the shit that we grew up on, and now we're adults, and now we're like, okay, we love these characters. I want to see what their lives is like. And we saw Johnny like eating pizza off a guy who was holding it with his bare hands for like thirty minutes. You know, after he picked his asshole and boogers with that hand, and you could tell like he, this is a guy who's just down and out. He's not the the snotty, you know, the rich kid that we all saw in the first movie. He's just some. Um, regular ass dude when when that scene popped in i like i completely was hooked on like redeeming that character i was like hey, he was really kind of redeemed in my mind because I, I love the character of johnny but th when that scene happened i was like completely on board with everything that came after that because i was like that is exactly what i expected him to become if it wasn't like some rich fancy elitist you know because that's kind of like the the, the kind of dude that becomes a bully in high school in a sense as interested as i am in the classic characters i'm really really hoping for a straight up like throwdown like even if it's on the mats in a, in a competition between dimitri and hawk though that that's going to be awesome if they that's going to happen I think we're going to get i think we're going to get yeah. that i think mm -hmm. that's going to happen I, I i think they've been building to that for two yeah. seasons so because I love the kids on the show too. I mean, like it's really great to see the old characters back. But man, the new cast is really great. 
I don't like Johnny's son. I don't like them. They're doing with Cobra Kai what Disney should have did with Star Wars, which is use the older characters to make you care about the newer characters. That's what we were hoping. That's what we wanted. That's That's why Star Wars is in the position that it's in right now. Star Wars should have followed the Cobra Kai playbook, which is bring back the old characters and and remind us why we love the old characters. Give us different sides of the old characters, but also, you know, make us care about the new characters. Like what you just pointed out, Johnny. That that's a good. That's a great example of that. Because I, I mean, do. I, I like all the. I like all the kids in the Cobra Kai Do, and then right. like in the second yeah. season, I liked all the kids that joined um, the new Miyagi Do, like the. Um, uh, like the, most of them actually used to be in Cobra Kai, but like yeah, they crossed over. But there was a couple new ones too. Plus, Dimitri's probably been the best character of the show since Jump Street. That whoever that kid is, he is undeniably funny. If he doesn't become one of the biggest comedians in the world after this, I don't know what the hell's wrong with the world because that kid is fucking hilarious, man. <laughs> that kid's. Uh, I tell you what, he probably will end up becoming the Daniel Larusso of the series at the end of the day. Oh yeah, well the, the splinter scene, man. Oh, I got a splinter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dude, I, I, I lost it. He, like, because Daniel was a little puss when he first met Miyagi. Too, right. Like, like Dimitri was even so much worse than he was. But if you think about it, he's yeah. like a, like Daniel was. He's a complete fish out of water. Uh, he didn't like, really take it serious. And then you know, once he got his ass whooped, then he's like, oh. Well, you know what? Now I'm gonna learn karate. <laughs> and, I mean, he was complete, completely like uh, New Age Daniel in that sense, and uh, you, you almost like want to root for the guy because you know he, we're, we've all kind of been there. As you know, you know anybody's been bullied before or been kind of nerdy in school. You know, we've all kind of like had that moment where like when you get pushed around and you like try to make a joke out of it, and then they push you even harder, and you're like, shit, how do I react? You know, like. You know, that's kind of like the dude he, he was on the show or is on the show. And now, like, you know, he's starting to take it serious. And, and Hawk has been, man, he's getting built like he's going to be, like, the next uh, shows on or the, the next uh, Johnny Lawrence. Like, he's getting built like a badass. Uh, he's, he's like the next, I forget, um, Grease. He's going to be like Martin Cove. He's, Hawk's become, like, basically just like this primal like force it nature person yeah like, and the only other character i could put like grease that's the old um martin Coe's character's name right yeah yeah john crease yeah crease yeah that's who i'd said like he's probably most like hawks like just basically fell into that type of position true i also remember the uh, daughter of daniel um amanda that's another the character. character on the show well, well, uh, remember this is a a woke society now with a very uh, gender appropriate uh, agenda on even every uh, show. Uh, so I mean, they're probably going to push her to be a you know one of the uh, the main karate heroes coming up in the next season, oh, and yeah, uh, you might see her. What I love about it is they're not pushing the identity politics in our faces like a lot of these shows do. No, it's very subtle, very small. You're subtle, and you're getting it done. You're getting it done in a balanced way, which makes it acceptable. As long as it's balanced and you can you can see why they do it, but it doesn't ruin the show, and it doesn't it doesn't dilute and carry over onto the other characters. And that's what I appreciate about Cobra Kai. You can tell that the writers behind Cobra. Cobra Kai 
are trying to do are, are and succeeding in giving us a show that not only is relevant to what came before, but it's expanding upon it in a way that is, you know, going to be beloved by all of us fans who grew up with it and the the new generation of fans who are going to love these newer characters. So it's so it's a, it's a win win so far. Right, and I wasn't yeah. I wasn't calling her the worst character on the show because she's a girl. I'm just saying because she's a she's a terrible girlfriend, a terrible friend. I mean, she's um, exploited right. and and ruined almost every friendship she had. Uh, like, it, but that's what's so great, Johnny, because she's not the bestest ever. Like Ray, I, I like I like her friend or her ex friend, the big girl, a lot better. I thought I think she's funny, and I, she at least looks like she knows how to fight too. She puts on those some um, some of hung moves where she's actually faster than she should be at her size. So I don't know. Like I I, 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 I don't know what they're trying to do with her character because. I, I Who, thought Aisha? At the end of season one, they showed her training, so I thought they were going to try to make her a hero, but all they did in season two was make her and um, Johnny's son basically into villains. So it, yeah. it's weird, but it, it's interesting. I'll, I'll definitely say it's interesting, but she's probably the character I care least about on the show, is Daniel's daughter, personally. The one I want to see develop more, we're going to go hit break in a second here uh, for a couple minutes, but the one I want to see develop more is Daniel's son in the future. Uh, I think that is an interesting oh, aspect. The, the also, little fat, the little fat kid that won't get yeah. off the video game. That's what you're yeah, about. yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> see, that all depends on how you know how how long the show goes on for, though. You right. Know, if we'll get to that point, I mean, I, I could see that. I mean, and hopefully, like you said, that would be nice. But I mean, is can you imagine like can you imagine like season five or something? Huh? Oh, oh, go ahead, Johnny. Is that the same girl that was in? Is that the same little boy that's in Star Girl? By the way, like um, I don't the think so. Brother? No, uh, I don't well, think he reminds so. me a lot of um, pretty much. Mm, I don't know. I'm going to look that up. I don't, I'm not too sure. Uh, let me check real quick. But I don't no, think I, so. But I just was wondering if either you guys knew. No, I'm not. I'm not too sure on that. I, I really I, can't confirm that. I, 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 I don't Star, think it is. I have no idea. Okay. I, Actually, I've seen Stargirl. It's really good. Um, I, you haven't seen any of the episodes, uh, Zod? I have not seen one episode. I don't watch CW shows. I won't say it's really good, but it's definitely watchable. <laughs> well, it's not, a CW sh- it's not a CW show yet. It's on the DC app. Oh, okay, but I thought I heard it was yeah. going to CW. I don't know. It's, it's, it did so good in the ratings. Actually, it was, I think it was the top-rated show on the app. Um, so it did so good, and TW is losing, you know, popularity, and they're losing uh, Supernatural after the season. They're thinking, well, if it's doing, listening to you, thinking, my God, if it's doing that good, they might as well just yeah. bring it over to H Max. Well, that's why that's why they that's why they're bringing it to CW to try to fill in the gap there and see if the ratings pick up because they're drowning. Uh, even Legends of Tomorrow, which had pretty decent ratings for a while, are like sh- ratings are on the tank. The last few episodes they did. Uh, Flash had terrible ratings by the end of the the season. Um, I mean, they're not, Supergirl's ratings are on the on the toilet. Uh, so I mean, they're trying to like you know bring that up. And the Star Girl is actually really well put together, considering that it's a you know lesser known property. With the way they're developing the show, I mean, it has a lot of potential. They, it's, it has a, doesn't have the same agenda politics. Or gender politics 
or you know the SJW stuff that you know we're used to with the other shows on CW, which is kind of what worries me that they might completely fully destroy the show once it gets there. Then everybody will be a woke lesbian, and that would kind of ruin the show. Even Luke Wilson would become a lesbian somehow. Uh, that would kind of like ruin everything. Uh, so I hope they keep it the way that it's format because if, it, if it's done the way it's done now on CW. They potentially have a show that could go ten seasons because it's really, really well done, and it has you know it has a love of the original look of the characters. You know I me; mean? I'm a purist for like the look of the characters. Like it, they they go all out comic booky yeah. goofy, yeah, and the, I the love JSA that. characters look legit on the um, yeah. at least at the beginning of the first episode before they all get fucking killed. But yeah. Well, I mean that's part of the storyline. I mean, remember this is, uh, you know, modern day. Um, JSA, which is what they're going to end up doing. Uh, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, I, even I, the way I only saw the first four, so like I, ba- like, I basically um, quit watching when she stole all the other artifacts to go and try to make her own JSA. So it it, it, it might pick up, it might get better. I I liked what I saw. I thought Luke Wilson was cool. I liked yeah. the robot. I didn't really care much for the girl's attitude. I I think that they write wrote her just as bad as. Uh, CW always writes their female characters um, just so bitchy and unlikable. So, yes, I've just been sticking to Doom Patrol mostly for my DC watching lately. Oh, we're going to get to that when we come back from break but um, with Doom Patrol. But um, I'll tell you what, the first couple episodes, she's like that because she's your typical like little teenage girl and stuff. But then once she realizes who she is, I mean, the, that's why the writing I thought was really good. Because it actually stretches the character from a one-dimensional, kind of like, bestest ever type of girl. Like, you know, like, little pushy, you know, like, bitchy, kind of like annoying type of blondie. Uh, you know, but the way they really have developed the character this season really leads me to believe that this show has a good foundation on it. Because, I mean, she is... She's a good little. She's a good young actress. I mean, I'm not gonna like you know. She's Kim Basinger's daughter, right? No, but she has the same name. Okay, same I, I just yeah. saw the name and I figured because she's blonde and her name's Basinger. That she's I did the same name. thing and then I looked it up and I was like, uh, when did Kim Basinger have a have a hot young daughter? Oh, oh, that's not his daughter. Okay, cool. Okay, so I don't feel that creepy. But no, uh, no, that's not her daughter. But uh, okay. just coincidence. Uh, but no, but she's she's not a bad actress. She's she's you know, this is like her first series, so I mean, we gotta like you know. Oh, oh I, I never hold it against the actress. They're just dancing monkeys, man. She's she's yeah. doing what was written on a page and what some guy told her. I just was saying the character that she was playing was pretty atypical for a female in one of those DC shows where they're just oh man, just just so angry all the time and unlikable. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like why do you got to be like that? You can. But she's not wrong powerful woman and not be angry and just terrible to everybody the entire time ah but see she's not that's the thing you have to keep watching yeah i I, I suppose and i will i have the full first season i just watched the first four and i enjoyed it a bit i like luke wilson anyways and i thought that he was really funny as like yeah i'm trying to take care of you i'm your dad (laughs) you know like just you know doing the normal luke wilson goofy shit so like at least he's watchable on there 
And I'm, his robot's I'm, cool. His robot's I'm, really cool. I'm, yeah, the robot's awesome. I'm just happy that they brought him into like a uh, DC character, you know, because he's such a cool actor that he deserved to be somewhere in the DC or Marvel Universe doing something. Like him and, and Owen Wilson belong either there on Star Wars or something. Because they're just like two goofy, cool, you know, dudes that like belong in this kind of like, you know, environment. And like I even uh, a while back I was talking about him. What was the... Um, you wanted him in Ghostbusters. You thought right. him, um, his brother should play um, Oscar. Right. There you go. See, like, these are movies that they deal with thriving. So I'm, I'm surprised they haven't done more stuff like that. That's why I really like his character here, because it, it puts him in an environment which I think he belongs in. Like, him and his brother would be great for these kind of things. Like, can, can you not tell me how cool it would be to see, like, Owen Wilson play, like, a character in the DC Universe? I mean... He'd be awesome as Booster Gold. I mean, he's got exactly. The That's what I was thinking about. I was wondering if you could bring it up. You nailed it. See, I'm Booster Gold. I'm I'm like the coolest right. guy in all 52 universes. Come on! Wow! Wow! Yeah, do the Owen Wilson. Wow! <laughs> you know, I mean that these some some actors are just born to play characters in certain you know universes, and these two guys. I mean, like even though, like, and it's funny because we're going back to the '90s now. But when uh, Luke Wilson was on X Files, everybody lost their shit because he was really good in that, and that's because he fits these kind of like weird, quirky, you know kooky type of uh, comic booky characters, even like in a sci-fi show like The X-Files, he was kind of like a goofy type of like FBI agent, you know? And, you know, these are the kind of characters that he really fits well. And I think that's why he he's likable as uh, the character on Stargirl, because it's kind of like something that, you know, it fits his persona. And uh, his brother has Booster Gold. I mean, come on, that's like a no-brainer. Well, How I mean, DC has not made that, that happen is ridiculous. When I first saw the commercials for Stargirl, I got excited because I actually thought that he was going to play the grown-up version of Jack Knight, my favorite version of Starman from the 80s, or late 80s and 90s. And I thought I think that if they got him when he was younger, he could have totally played that Jamie Robinson era um, Starman, the Jack Knight Starman, perfectly. Like, yeah. if you ever read that comic, like that, that was basically Luke Wilson as a superhero. Hey, he's good as Stripey or Stripes or whatever his name is, but like, I still think it's a missed um, opportunity not having him as Jack Knight, to tell you the truth. Well, age, brother. Age. Yeah. You age. Know. Now we're going to move on to a show I think we all universally love uh, here, and uh, I'm talking about Doom Patrol. Yeah, the second season's lit, man. I, I, oh, Brendan so Fraser should just get every award as Robot Man, because he just brightens up everything that he's in man especially like when he was little and he was like would go down every day to beat up rats i thought that was like the <laughs> funniest shit and that's the best way to start a new season come on you little motherfucker bam just like nah, the best the best the best scene is when he's going in the pain he's like oh so now i'm the only asshole that's going in the fucking pain so i gotta get in the fucking pain so i'm not the only fucking asshole like that whole dialogue was brilliant and the only one that could bring it to life is brendan frazier the way he did it like and I, I, I clipped that out, and it's part of my ringtone. Like that's how good that is. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's funny because I just uh, I booked uh, Mark McKenna, who's one of the illustrators for the Doom Patrol comics, on uh, on Jackal's head, and uh, he's been on the show before. He's, he's a friend, and uh, you know, when I started watching the show and uh, I started seeing the first season, the first person I thought of obviously was Mark, uh, and then Flex Mentallo. Uh, when he started showing him, I was like, oh, man, 
I got to get Mark on the show because he did the original run on Flex. Yeah. Like, he yeah, was the he illustrator. Worked, yeah. yeah, he worked really, he worked with um, the the master, Grant Morrison and Richard yeah. Chase. The, like, the the Doom Patrol run, and then, yeah, the Flexman telegraphic novel that followed yep. it, which, yeah, that's an incredible accolade to have to your name, in my opinion. I mean, as soon as I saw Flex, I was like, dude, even, like, the guy even looks like the comic like even the chest hairs, <laughs> like they, like it was nailed to perfection. Like the way the guy like looked just like the like he stepped out of the comic book. And uh, as soon as I brought up to Mark when we were, we were talking on Facebook, I was like, "Have you been watching?" He's like, "They're doing flex." I can't like he like he flipped out like the, and he's like, "It's the best thing I've ever seen." And I was like, "Dude, the moment I saw it, I thought of you." In <laughs> a no homo way, by the way, guys. But uh, he, he, I mean, that run was awesome with Graham Morrison and like the the funny thing is when I first met Mark, you know, he found out what a big fan I was of the Doom Patrol, and he sent me a bunch of like the comics, books, and graphic novels and stuff, and I was like. Uh, whatever you ever need, if you need a kidney, I will give it to you. <laughs> like, my goodness, like he like he made my year, and uh, super 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 nice guy. I'm just happy that you know a character that he was like that much involved in recreating, uh, you know, is featured on the show, and the show is awesome. I mean, there's, oh man, it's flawless yeah. right now as far as I can see. You you got to see the episode with the sexmen, right? With with yeah. Sexman Tallo and, and um Rita. Keep your nose on the dot. Oh my god, that was some of the most hilarious shit I've ever seen. I can't believe that I never thought that I would see the sexmen in live action. But like there they were. Like that's that's why this show is beautiful because yep. they took all those really weird characters that you didn't think that they would be great to see in live action, but you wouldn't know how they would work, like Red Jack and like the sexmen yep. and stuff. And like somehow, like this show just made him work. And I like that the uh, the humpy ghosts are still around the house constantly too. Like even in the l- later episodes, like Robot Man still sees them just like banging around. I was just like, oh man. This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the great thing about the show. It really captures like the odd, kooky factor of the comic. Which, uh, I, you know, when I heard they were doing Doom Patrol, I was like, man, I hope they don't like modernize this to the point where, where it's not recognizable because this is what Doom Patrol is it's a, it's a weird collective of like people that just you know are, are put into a weird situation because of events that happen in their lives and they're all like different individuals none of them can really coexist with each other but they're forced to and uh, they go through like these tragic events like Robot Man he blows up in the car and he's like in a robot now like you know shit like that you know like the and the storylines and everything that they've done like you know with the family members and you know even this season when they had um uh you know the the whole reveal of the character that uh damn it, I'm going blank on the name but uh the one that Matt Boomer plays um oh uh, uh, negative man negative Larry man Turner? yeah right uh, yeah, I forgot his fucking name. I'm the fan, but uh, no, the the fact that he's you know gay in the, on the uh, on the show and he reveals it to his son. That whole like, I mean, you know, the, yes, I understand gender politics and the whole on yards, but it is done with such well, you know, it's from the comic too, like, right? It is done. It is done in well taste. It's not like in your face. It's like it's very like, you know, like you almost feel bad 
for the character because he was hiding that from his son and like it really brings you into like the whole character of you know what he went through and the the characterization the character development of these characters are awesome this is why i think streaming is uh, you know be a phenomenal tool for the comic book universe because the comic book movies are great and why do we uh, you know why do a lot of people love the marvel cinematic universe because there's so much build up to like end game for example that you can like view it as a long tv series and i think you know now we're hitting you know because of the uh the vampire virus we're all stuck indoors so i mean a lot of the, of the streaming stuff is going to get more and more pushed and i think it's going to benefit the comic book uh industry you know on film because now you're going to be able to see a lot of this stuff get really fleshed out in the uh, streaming wars, uh, considering how big you know these things could be, and uh, that's going to be really good for like shows like Doom Patrol, which a lot of people don't know what the Doom Patrol is. So, you, like you asked, uh, you know, anybody three or four years ago, do you do you know Doom Patrol? I bet you like more than seventy percent of the people will be like, "What the hell is that?" They, they, they would not have no no clue. Now more and more people are like, "Yeah, that show's awesome," and then you ask them, "You know, that's from a comic," and a lot of people still don't know that. But they like the show now, so it kind of helps bring them back into like the origins of like where the comics uh, brought this up, and uh, they started going back, and they appreciate the show even more because again, it's stuff directly from the comic, which I think always helps unify the universe to the original source. And and it's not just with um, Negative Man's character; they do a really good job with everybody. Like they go yeah. deep into yeah, yeah, yeah. why why Rita always double guesses herself, Elastic Girl, yep. because um, sh- her mom had to sleep with producers so she could get her first film roles. So she never thought that she actually earned anything in her life. That was very poignant and, and well put. Um, Crazy Jane and and like the way she was raised and all the stuff that happened to her that. They they kind of keep that a little tongue in cheek, make it a little fun, but it's it's some very brutal kind of disturbing things that are, are ha- hiding under the surface of this show that I think that they kind of bring bring forward in a very wonderful way, much similar to how it was captured in the comics because that was the neat thing. Like the Doom Patrol was a superhero team. They do yeah. fight villains and they do win in the um, mostly at the end of the day, but they don't ever like run around flying and punching people, much like right. on the show. They they goofily accidentally through exactly. that they're not they're not as big of idiots as they think they are, figure something out and win in the end. Which I think is great that they didn't lose that for the show. Like that's still ever present in all their conflicts that like, oh hey, no, we, we could actually do this, but we gotta yeah. we gotta quit double guessing ourselves constantly, which I think is was really smart and whoever's in charge of the show definitely deserves way more props than what they're given because it's probably one of the best adaptations we've had at least from dc probably ever next to maybe um zack snyder's watchman movie yeah yeah no i completely agree i think uh, in in all honesty i think that this is uh when it comes to like live streaming or tv probably the best series i've seen so far like adaptation wise yeah well, and, and like you were saying, I was worried when they said that they were doing Doom Patrol too because I've there has been um, runs of the book where they have tried to make them like mm-hmm. normal DC superheroes, and they're awful. And they try to uh, make a uh, robot man look all you know kind of cool and cyborgy and stuff. Uh, so when I first saw the first screenshot of what Brendan Fraser's suit would look like, and he legit looked like 
the Cliff Steele that I read in uh, in the early '90s from Grant Morrison. I was just like, "This is actually going to be good. Look at that. That's fu- that's actually Robot Man." They didn't yeah. try to, you know, they didn't try to retrofit him and make him look cool. He looks clunky. He looks like some kind of weird Frankenstein. Like that. That's perfect right there. Thank yeah. you. And plus, yeah, um, yeah. I also really like this version of Cyborg. This this season with the with his girlfriend, who is also like a um, person who has been manipulated by the government to be a weapon. I, I thought that that was a really really neat angle with his character. I thought that that was really cool, and I like the kid that plays Cyborg a lot on the show. I think that he really nails the character. It's kind of yeah. cool to actually have like a good version of him in live action. Finally. Well, and, and by the way, I was talking uh, more about Matt Boomer's character, the retrainer. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, which, uh, you know, it's funny because he was for a while, they were looking at him for Superman. And short, right? Yeah, a little, a little short. Uh, but it's funny because if you look at this series, he was once being looked at for Superman. So was Brendan Fraser. And so was Timothy Dalton. That's so, yeah. Yes, you have three actors who didn't get Superman, but they all got cast in Doom Patrol. See, Matt Bomer is the only one I could see maybe at possibly landing it. I love Brendan Fraser, but like I'd say that he could probably be a really good Green Lantern. But like Superman, I don't, I don't see it personally with him. Well, he tested for the role back in '03, uh, I want to say, or two or three. I think it was just like after the Mummy Returns came out, um, before they did Superman Returns. And um, they 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 tested him. Yeah, I, don't, I remember he did a couple of interviews where he talked about it openly, and uh, he tested in the uh, full outfit and everything. And it was prior to Brian Singer jumping on board. I want to say it was probably the uh, the script that J.J. Abrams actually had um, the flyby. I think it was called Superman flyby or Superman flyover or some crap. Um, I think that's the script that he read for. But he went and read in full Superman suit. And uh, he supposedly did really well. And well, back I mean, then he was younger, too. Yeah, well, he's definitely got the he's the right size and had the right shape at that time. I mean, he was ripped in that era of him yeah. his acting. But I, I just, I, I don't, I could see him as a bunch of other heroes, but I don't personally see him as Superman, really. So I'm kind of happy he didn't land it, to tell you the truth. Now, yeah. Timothy Dalton, that would have been a really weird Superman, because until I saw him in Hot Fuzz, I didn't know the man had a sense of humor, you know what I mean? He kind of pulled <laughs> Patrick Stewart on me. He's just like one of those really cut and dry. I always seemed kind of angry whenever I'd see him and stuff, so like when he showed up in Hot Fuzz, like the, I, he cracked yep. me up, and I, he's kind of like got the, that thing going on with him in Doom Patrol, too, as the chief. Like he's, he's back and forth between the serious and the fun. But like, I, I remember, no he, he's, it's a humor. He's been acting for like since the seventies. So he's been around for a long time, and uh, it really wasn't until like uh, actually, I think sixty eight, sixty nine was his first uh, film. Uh, but I mean, uh, it wasn't until like Flash Gordon in nineteen eighty where he kind of like became well known. But it wasn't really till he played James Bond that he became you know kind of like a household name, and he did it for like two movies only. So yeah, and they were actually pretty good. They get a bad rep, but Living Daylights and uh, License to Kill were both pretty decent Bond films, in my opinion. Oh yeah, yeah. Zyde, uh, well, they were I definitely darker than week. the one. They were definitely darker than the ones that uh, yep. came later on. So yeah. yeah, I mean, he was my favorite Bond. Um, and you know, 
going back, uh, I, I actually do like Daniel Craig. I'm like uh, the guest we had on a few weeks ago, Arlen. I just didn't want to like start a feud over it. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> he was just going there. Uh, but uh, Daniel Craig, I think, it did a fine job as James Bond. But my favorite Bond, and I've told you guys this before, is. Timothy Dalton. I mean, that, I loved the, his two movies as Bond, and of course, you know, Sean Connery is always going to be the king. You know, Sh- Sean yeah, Connery. You know, I pretty much like them all except for George Lazenby and um, uh, Pierce Brosnan. And it has nothing to do with Brosnan as an actor. His just movies were written yeah. terrible that he was in. Yeah. No, actually, I think Brosnan would have been the ideal James Bond, but I agree, the movies were just god-awful. And it was sad, because I remember going to see GoldenEye, and I was really excited for it. And uh, the video game was epic, by the way. That's one Gold of the Knight's best. Actually, yeah. GoldenEye's actually okay. The other three that he was in were just terrible, though. GoldenEye's at least kind of watchable. but Yeah, I, I think what it was with yeah. that is that they tried to get too far away from what they did with Timothy Dalton, and that's what ruined... Uh, Pierce Brosnan. Which is funny because they came back with Craig and they went even darker than yeah. the <laughs> Kind of, but it was just kind of, but I mean, when you think about it, Craig is the most different from all the other ones. He doesn't even really, he doesn't even really match up with any of the other James Bonds. So it's almost like yeah, yeah, it's it almost like, like they like well, yeah, well, it is because it's a complete. It was a complete reboot, yeah, in a sense. So at that, so I guess that's why. But well, because like all the other bonds, you believe that like they were gentlemen that like went to scholarly schools and right. you know like served in the military. Whereas Daniel Craig, I believe that like they found that guy fighting wolverines in a cage somewhere and then <laughs> gave him a job as a spy because like that he just like runs through walls and like throws people off his shit you know what i mean like there's like kind of no decorum to him but that's what makes him interesting you know what i mean he's almost more like a primal creature than you know a human it's funny because the moment that i saw the first images of craig as bond i was like i'm not sure this is gonna work out too well you know i had like you know reservations going in i'm not the biggest james bond fan but i do like the bond series and i've seen all of them at this point but you know when i went into theaters i was like "Ah, i'm not too sure but once that Opening sequence where he's chasing the dude in the you know between the buildings and he's going yeah, and, um, up the crane, man. Yeah, that's once that sequence is over, I was like, "That is fucking James Bond right there." That's the new age James Bond. Like that, that that sequence alone sold me on Daniel Craig as James Bond because he nailed it. The action was perfect, and then like he came off very suave, very smooth. I mean, I absolutely love Casino Royale. Out of all the Bond movies, it's one of my favorite Bond movies. Uh, even, you know, I have to, you know, did Quantum of Solace and the other ones, you know, they did a Skyfall's great. Skyfall's my damn Skyfall. Skyfall is awesome, but uh, to me, Casino Royale had a really difficult task of setting him up as the new Bond and giving us a reboot story that still followed and the tradition of the old Bond, but really brought it to, like, a whole new audience. And I think he really, like, nailed the part for whoever, like, whoever has to fill in the Daniel Craig shoes now, good luck. Well, it's I mean, going to be, be, be a woman, isn't it? They, they say it was going to be a woman in the role? I'd get, I'd yeah. get Daniel Radcliffe, man. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I, heard, I heard it's, uh, but I heard it's a woman. It's a woman that's going to carry it on from now on. Harry Potter, you're now James Bond. 
If she's hot, I'll watch it. I don't care. Like, I don't know. After watching Charlize Theron and, like, Atomic Blonde and then Old Guard, like, she could play James Bond. I'd watch well, it. Well, it really wouldn't be James Bond, though. I mean, it'll be 007. Uh, I, knew give her named, the title. I knew a girl named James, or she called herself James. Yeah, but you know how, like... Yeah, me too. Yeah, but they're, they're, that's not the uh, rumor. They're, what they're doing is uh, that he retires as a secret agent, and uh, the person that takes over is the uh, the black girl from the last movie. I forgot her name now. Emma, I think she played. And uh, she becomes the new 007, the new agent. So it's literally, it's going to have a different title, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a 007 story without James Bond, but with a new person playing the role of 007. And it's going to be the lady who played Money Penny, like the the chick from Twenty Eight Days Later, the, the black girl. Okay, like I yeah, like her. Yeah, she's been yeah, badass yeah. since Twenty Eight Days Later. So yeah, yeah, she was uh, she was like very big in the uh, the last one. Uh, she was a very big part of it, and the reason why was because they're, they're setting her up to be the new Double Seven. Supposedly, that's the rumor. You know, nowadays with the way things are with the uh, Kung Flu, we don't know exactly what the future is going to hold for any of these franchises. Um, but uh, apparently, that's what they're going to go with. So, which I, I can deal with that. I mean, that's, that shouldn't be a big issue. I mean, I still would like to see Daniel Craig come back at some point. For me, it all depends on how it's handled. You know, like um, when I was young, like. Uh, Long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, but when I was young and I was reading, like, Marvel and DC, comic companies would pass the mantle off quite often. And, like, there was a couple different people as Thor besides Dr. Donald Blake. And um, it never bothered me. You know what I mean? There was was other people that took over as The Flash and as Green Lantern. It wasn't always just Hal Jordan. So I, I don't understand why having something like that happen in a another continuity and in, in a different format should be so taxing if we're all nerds and we're all like lovers of the same stuff it worked because wonderful in the, this in, is when we were a kids. british series and they're now starting to get through the program but remember they did it with doctor who and man that did go over well it, it had nothing to do with the actress, though. It had to do with how bad the show was written and where they took it. I'm pretty sure that lady could have played the hell out of a fucking Doctor Who if she was written. No, 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 no. no. I like Jodie Whittaker. She, she's a good actress, but no, man, no, no, no. Uh, even if they had, like, the best writers on Earth, she is just not yeah, yeah, the, cla- the classic no. Doctor Who writers to come in and write the stories and no. the work. No. It still would have sucked. Yeah, okay. no, it's, there's no redeeming I, I, I don't, this don't really, doctor. I don't really cared much for that show, so I didn't even watch when she joined, but I just figured, because most of the time with that type of stuff, like, it's it's mostly how it's handled. But you are right, though, in one respect, though, Johnny, because the writing was absolutely horrible for her episodes, too. The writing yeah. didn't do her any favors. That's just that's that. true. That's what, I've been, that's what I was told. That's what everybody told me, like, from, like, the third season with matt smith on like the show was just written totally garbage like the whole capaldi yeah. run and then her run was just written as total shit so that's why i kind of figured that was like that at least played a big part in it even if the actress was horrible her role. run as the role makes makes peter capaldi's run seem fantastic oh my that's god how bad, that's yeah. how bad it is i mean it is just like 
Wow. Now, Zan, you know that I wasn't a big Capaldi era fan, even though I have no issue oh, with the actor. Oh, but you got to respect, you got to respect the yeah. Capaldi era now, because you look Dude, at I now. miss Capaldi. Are you, are you kidding me? And, I, and you know that I, it wasn't him that I didn't like. I just didn't like the writing, because it got shitty, yeah, like writing, Johnny said. The writing said. was horrible, but... Yeah. But what? Capaldi at least yeah. looked like the doctor. And he felt like you were watching the doctor, like... It felt like Doctor Who, even though like the writing sucked. At least you're like, okay. I mean, the, the the episodes are crappy, but at least you can say it's the Doctor, you know. And maybe there's hope for a good season coming up. But it never came, and then they changed. And it was, they didn't just change the actor to an actress. The entire staff changed. The the, the even the runners of the show changed. Like everything changed over, which that you know, in a sense, that's a you know, outsider. You're like, okay, maybe the writing will get good. No, oh, they, they got a lot of, <laughs> see what happened was they got a lot of writers on that staff for Doctor Who that had never watched Doctor Who. They never knew anything about that's the, show. the problem. And yeah, they came in and they started writing, and they they're writing it, writing it solely to. To be tailored to the political agenda of the modern age, and therefore, you know, they're not paying attention to Doctor Who, and they're rewriting the canon and uh, making it that the Doctor's orig- was originally female, and that there was all this different, all these different things that were never true about the character before. They totally bastardized everything that came before, which is why now. You've pretty much alienated about ninety nine percent of the fan base. The only people that are watching Doctor Who now are people that started watching it with Jodie Whittaker and like it for what what they're do what they're doing with it, and that's a very very small percentage. And they're even dropping off because I mean, I, yes. it's funny. It's funny because in the first uh, season, early on. All the uh, social justice warriors were like behind it. I seen some of their like some of the same individuals in forums. I I actually love Doctor Who and I follow up like you know the fan chatter online. And some of the people that are that were very pro Jody Whittaker are trashing it now. So I mean, even the the fans that you already had like suckered oh, yeah, it was in. All about, it was all about give her a chance, give her a chance. Right. Stop whining and being being whorish man babies. Yes. Give her a chance to see what she does. Stop complaining. Stop being chauvinistic. And now those same people have completely ditched the show. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now they're all like, "Yeah, this show really does suck." What the hell were we smoking? <laughs> oh my god, it's so terrible. But at this point, I mean, and you know, we're. You know, we're what two seasons into her now. Maybe the third season coming up. I mean, how would you get away from you know? Obviously, you can just have a rebirth into a new body, but would you want to see that or just recon the entire you know three seasons with her or yeah, two seasons? They're gonna have to. I think they're gonna have to somehow completely retcon her uh, take on the character. I mean, I, I think it's funny, you know, when people say, well, maybe they could just make it a bad dream of so-and-so. But in the case of Doctor Who, I wouldn't be upset if, you know, yeah. they, they started it off with, like, David Tennant waking up in the shower or something. Yeah. I mean, to, to be honest with you, I mean, it's, Legit. So, yeah. it's so bad that they would be wise to completely forget about that era altogether. Yeah. 
I mean, even if they brought in like Matt Smith or or anybody, anybody, anybody at this point, you could go back even further if you wanted to. Bring back one of the really, really older doctors. Hell, bring, have have Paul McGann wake up in the shower. Dude, that would be so but just, epic. Do, but just do away with that era altogether because, and if by extension, you have to lose a couple of doctors in the process, like if you have to lose Capaldi and you have to lose a bit <laughs> of Beth Smith's era, oh, well, you, ju- you just have to do it because that because that's how... how how much damage the Jody Whittaker doctor has done to the franchise. Yep. Damn. Yeah, it's, it's that bad. bad. huh? Oh, it's bad. It's worse than Star Wars, put it that way. Nothing. I mean, wow. You know, yeah. it makes... It, the, the, what they've done to Doctor Who makes makes Disney Star Wars look like the original trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's that not bad. Even a jo- it's not even a joke. It's like, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah, they, 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 went, they went full... They went full... Uh, <laughs> they did a 380 on us, sir. Negative. Yeah, they did a 380 on uh, on uh, Doctor Who. I don't know what I don't know what they were smoking. That that's like and that's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Completely. I mean, dude, you nailed it with the uh, with bringing back uh, McGann. Oh, again, that would be so good. I mean, if you think about that, he, he you know, he does give, uh, you know, way to the war doctor when he, uh, you know, regenerates into the war doctor. But let's just say that never happened somehow. Right. Have something happen to Jodie Whittaker's doctor at the end in the final moments of her show. Yeah. Where instead of where instead of regenerating into a future doctor. She gets trapped in some kind of time loop and ends up degenerating back into Paul McGann. Or oh, even That's- better, they end up crossing somehow where she ends up on a planet that he's on and she dies on that planet and his TARDIS is destroyed and he has to continue on oh, or, or like using the, like her the, TARDIS. Yeah, uh-huh. like the time where, where, okay, like they could, and if they wanted to, they could even tie it into the 25th anniversary Doctor Who where they had a. Uh, uh, where they had, um, where, where was it? Or, or was the was it the fiftieth anniversary? I can't remember what it, what it was. I think it was the fiftieth where they yeah. had where they had Paul McGann on that planet uh, with the sisters before, of Karn with the sisters of Karn just before yeah. he That's what I'm saying. Into the Doctor, you could have them go back. You could tell that story, yeah, yeah. and have her die instead of him. She's the one that gets badly badly injured and she dies and then you have you have the sisters of Karn giving uh Paul McGann's doctor enough regeneration energy where he doesn't necessarily have to change but he just he just stays he stays himself yeah. and then you could carry on and do like a season or two with him and just see where it goes and then you have a whole different a whole different continuity you could follow not saying that none of the other stuff didn't happen, but you still have lots of different directions you could go in. It'd be a completely clean slate. Yeah, I this mean, will wipe. Yeah. It happened, but this event wipes all that from the canon. Like, yeah. No longer. Yeah, oh so my it's, god, it'd be great. But it yeah. would still be there because there would still be little pockets in time where that right. still happened. So you right. could still say, you know, that yeah, you you still had the War Doctor, you still had Matt Smith, you still had. Christopher Eccleston, you just, it's just different, 
you know, different pockets in time, like parallel universes and shit. Here, and, here's the way I would do this, and just hear me out real quick, and, and I'll make this very easy. She goes back in time to look for Gallifrey, because remember, they've never really fully explained what happened to the planet. Uh, they kind of just left out in limbo, right? Does anybody remember? Yeah, they kind of just left that in, in right. limbo. So she has a memory yeah, I mean, of they, Gallifrey. I mean, they addressed it a little bit, but they said they just said it was still out there. Right. So, like, but I don't think she's aware of even Gallifrey being out there. I think it was uh, Matt Smith who addressed it a little bit more than anything else. And Paul, right, uh, right. Matt and Smith Paul, and I think Capaldi. Capaldi, yeah. I think Capaldi might have referenced it once or twice, but right. Yeah, it really but is kind say, of left out there. Say that she goes back in time because she she realizes she has to look for Gallifrey, and she goes back in time. And when she goes back in time, she enters that scene where he's about to regenerate with the sisters of Karn, and she blows up or she dies or something. And she ends up by her being there, and her TARDIS landing there destroys his TARDIS. It's kind of like I'm trying to like think of a way to, to make it match, and his TARDIS is not destroyed. She's dead. She can't regenerate and because there can't be two active doctors in the same universe or some crap like that. It could become some law like that. And they're the same person in the same timeline. So she can't generate because he's there. So and, and eventually he has to continue on as the only doctor. Yeah, that would be but, great. But and think they've about experimented it. with parallel realities uh, right. before in Doctor Who. So it wouldn't be... Un, you know, it wouldn't be unheard of for them to do that, but that would be a clever way to get her the hell out of there and erase erase her her tenure from canon to so an extent. He, so he would never even you know become the war doctor because remember he only dies to become the war doctor. So once that happens, before he goes to the point that he's going to regenerate. You know, this event happens, it takes him away from that moment, and the sisters of Karin are like, you know what, we're going to give you the extra lives so you can continue the mission, you don't have to regenerate, and he takes a TARDIS and then goes away with it, and her body stays there with the uh, the rest of, like, the other and so, person who died. Sense, in a sense, she dies, basically erasing Everything. the entire new era of Doctor Who from canon completely, Giving yeah. them a a clean slate to start yeah. the story all over again from Palm again. That's freaking brilliant. That's what they should do. I mean, you at this point, yeah, okay, bye. Right? Who is out of there? So now, whoever whoever Palm again regenerates into eventually, because we know McGann won't play it forever, but McGann right. could actually have a chance to play a it season for a or two, seasons, which is oh, that's all we want. A season or yeah, two, that's it. Yeah. And then, and then you have any other doctor. You can get any other actor that they want to get for the role. They can do that, and they start again. And they got a brand new, they got a brand new slate, and they could go in any direction. And then they could really mess around and do all kinds of timey wimey things where they bring back Matt Smith or or uh, David Tennant if they wanted to. They could do all sorts of crazy stuff. That's the great thing about Doctor Who being a time traveling show. You don't yep. have to be. You don't have to be shoehorned, and if they want to reinvent the show, that'd be the best way to do it. Because now you don't, you're not, you're not being saddled by all that bad continuity. But 
They won't do that. They're not that smart, Jackal. That's that's that the problem. They're, 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 they'll, they'll they'll screw it up. They they won't they won't go in that direction at all. That would be nope. the greatest thing they could do. But that that's not the direction they're going. They'll go. put it on CW. <laughs> they, might, they might as well. They might as well because it actually. I'm going to be honest though. It is worse than CW television. Yes. At this point, I would rather oh, yeah. watch. Yeah. I would rather marathon Supergirl. Then watch two episodes of of this uh, Jody Whittaker Doctor Who at this point. Damn. He's not lying. He's that's not how lying. bad. That's how yeah. bad it is. Jesus. And I'm not. And I'm not even talking about Jody Whittaker as an actress. The writing and the stories are so horrible that it doesn't yeah. feel like Doctor Who at all. It just feels like some some like uh, fan wink where they're where they're just writing anything they can come up. I can't even say fan wink because you can tell the people writing this now have no idea what the hell Doctor Who's about. Yeah. So that's obviously they're not fans. They, they no, right, fun. they're not they're not. Yeah. That's the that's the part. They're not fans. They're not fans at all. I don't know how the guy running the show got the got the job cuz they are not fans by any stretch of the imagination. They've gone so far as to throw away so much of what Doctor Who is as a character, what they've done, that there's no there's no semblance of what the show was prior to her at all. So Peter Capaldi was about the last gasp of what Doctor Who was. At least with Doctor with Peter Capaldi it was recognizable. It may not have been the best writing, but at least Capaldi had a few good episodes in there, and I mean, he was at least recognizable as the Doctor. You could tell he was the same character. Bro, but, if if Capaldi but, had the writers that like the early seasons had with the reboot with Eccleston, if he had like those writers, yeah, he would have had a yeah. great run. Basically, if Russell T. Davies decided to come out of retirement yes. and say, "Okay, I'm gonna." I'll write for the next for the next season for the next couple of seasons with McGann, and if we want to bring Capaldi back at some point, Capaldi could have some kick-ass episodes. Because don't get yeah. me wrong, I think Capaldi was cast well, and he really did look the part, and he was and, and his the way he was playing the Doctor was really starting to grow on me. It was just the stories that they surrounded him in were just were just horrible stories. You could tell that Moffat was on his way out, and he was just writing anything. He didn't care anymore, and that's 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 the difference. But 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 he was still miles better than what than what the show is now. I mean, Sarah Jane Adventures is ten thousand times better than what we got, what we're getting now. And that's basically Doctor a female Who. Doctor Who. That's what that yeah. was. And, yeah, and that that was again. And I think you said this before. They should have used. Sarah Jane Adventures as a template for how they would do a female Doctor Who show. I don't know what I don't yeah. know what the hell this is. This is nothing like, exactly. like what they should have done. It's terrible. But I but all this I too I also think that Jodie Whittaker was miscast. I really do. If they were gonna get a female for the role, I, I just don't think she was right. I think no. I think the idea of giving her a season was good, and when it didn't work out, they should have recasted her because I think they should have got Helen Mirren. I think she would have been awesome. She's mean, she's old, uh she's about as British been, as you could get. You know been, what I mean? She would have been good in it. I'm telling that would have been awesome. I could totally see like a old a mean old a mean old British lady in the role. That would have been great. 
Especially but, following Capaldi, yeah, dude. Like it would have made so much sense if they'd have followed him up with somebody like Helen Mirren. Well, with Jodie Whittaker, they were trying to like bring back a female version of like Matt Smith. And if you look at the way she acts, she tries to act goofy like Matt Smith. In the Smith, beginning, she tries you know? to act goofy, but then they give her this character where she feels like she always has to take the moral high ground. Right. She always yeah. has to. Be, and she comes off very, very preachy. And I think yeah. that's something that a lot of Doctor Who fans take issue with because the Doctor was never really about that. When you think about the Doctor, when you think about Doctor Who as a character, first and foremost, I mean, let's face it, the Doctor is very selfish. The Doctor is doing a lot of things. Yep that are going to benefit him or her above ever anyone else. And a lot of times the best thing about Dr. Who's stories is he just happens to help people in the process. Yeah, that, that's not, fine. Especially not since because he's really, yeah, not because he really, I mean, he does have a lot of redeeming qualities and he is a good character, but at the end of the day, his first priority is to himself. And Especially if you make- watch the Eccleston one, because, I mean, like, he was pretty much all about, like, what helped him and only him. He wanted that rose. He wanted that rose poopy. That's what he wanted. But when we're looking at, you know, the differences between, say, Peter Capaldi and Jodie Whittaker, Peter Capaldi, like, I mean, he nails it as the doctor. And if they would have given him good writing... He could have gone down as his, in history as one of the best eras because I I, I kind of looked at him as like a cross, and I told this to Jackal early on when they cast him. I always thought he would be like a cross between Doc Brown from Back to the Future and uh, the very first Doctor to play Doctor yep. Who uh, from the 1960s, William Hartnell. And yeah. I always thought that if they crossed those two characters together and Damn. gave that persona to Capaldi and it was written right, you would have some of the best episodes you'd ever you would have had ever seen. He, he would go down as probably right now he'd probably be a lot of people's favorite doctor. But that just wasn't the case because although they gave him a personality and gave him a chance to be that doctor, they just didn't write good enough stories for him. And I, yeah. I and I and I can understand why Capaldi left. And he was a lifelong Doctor Who fanatic. Oh like, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God! I remember, like, they, I, I remember they they said that somebody had said they had a they were on a set on one of the sets and he got really really mad and he started cursing and talking about what the hell what the hell is this what the hell are these pages <laughs> what, what are you what are you writing here yeah like, this is, like he said this is bloody effing awful I remember yeah. I remember like he was looking at the band they had it on somebody I don't know who they interviewed somebody they interviewed for uh, like the big finish audios and they were talking about peter capaldi and how he just went off over how a bunch of his episodes were like he went off at moffat like you wrote me you wrote so many good episodes for the in the last era and you told me that this was going to be this was going to be good what is this like (laughs) this is dumb stuff higher you know, it's funny because he was in the, uh, um, the zombie movie with uh, Brad Pitt. Well, the yeah, World, yeah, War Z. World War Z. And it, initially, when he went to read him for the, for one of the roles, uh, he said, "Can I uh, read for this role?" And it was a doctor for the World Health Organization, and that's the reason he wanted the role because it was a doctor for who? Doctor Who. And 
he thought that was brilliant and hysterical. So he's like, I want that character. <laughs> and and they, they, that's the character they gave him. So he was the Doctor Who before he was he Doctor Who. Appears, he even appears more as that Doctor character in the World War Z uh, audio drama that they yeah. did yeah. prior to the movie coming out. He actually got a chance to be more of that of that character. And I just think that that's brilliant. Yeah, that that was a nice little tie-in. But, but yeah, he, he definitely got the short end of the stick for Doctor Who. I yeah. feel really bad for him because he, he had been a, they had a, had a magazine article where he had written into a Doctor Who magazine when he was like, I think 14 or 15 years old about how big yeah. a Doctor Who fan he was. And even then in the pictures that they had of him, he looked, he fit the profile of like Doctor Who. Like, he was born to play it. Like, you could totally have seen that he would eventually get the role at some point in his life. If he wanted all, it back. What also sucks for him is he was on a really good show. He was playing the um, bishop on the, the Musketeers, and, and he was amazing in that. I mean, like, and it was a really good show. He was really good on it. It went, like, four seasons. So that's pretty good mm-hmm. for a Brit show. But, like, he was only in the first season because he left to do Doctor Who. And... Yeah. Um, it just really didn't pan out for him, so I kind of think that like. Well, I mean, he did three seasons. He did. He did do three seasons, which is like the typical run now for Doctor Who for the new Doctors, like two, three seasons. That's it. Uh, with the exception being Eccleston, who only did one season, uh, and that was because of his own personal choice. He probably could have done eight if he wanted to, but you know what? You know? And that was the thing. He his whole his whole plan move when he got the role. He, he, I remember him saying on one thing was that he wanted to play the doctor as long as he was physically able to play the character. So for him to leave like that was was simply by being completely dissatisfied with the scripts and the direction the show was going in. That's all it was. If they but, were giving, him but it was funny because we loved the direction they went with after that. So it's like it's a catch twenty two, like. Was he wrong? Because I mean, the 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 tenant years were awesome. So yeah, well, no, he, yeah, his, but they, but see, the thing is, they they didn't give him any of those good scripts. It was like Moffat ran out of ideas by the time he got to Capaldi. Like, well, like, like you got to remember, Capaldi, you know, had to come on, come after Matt Smith, so he had a tough act to follow. But the reality right. was, he could have. He could have played that. He could still be playing the role today if they would have written him good for him. But they didn't. And so he got tired of it because he knew he knows it was he's not going to continue doing a show where they're giving him shit every every season. Yeah. Who would want to keep doing that? And there was new showrunners. They really wanted to like, yeah, they wanted to take it to a new AG. Yeah. And, uh, and then allegedly they said in, in one interview, the guy Chibs, Chibnall, the guy that's running it now, yeah. said, oh, I wanted to work with Peter Capaldi for my new season, but Peter Capaldi didn't want to stay at least one more season with me. I would have wanted to work with him. And when you see what he actually ended up doing once he got a hold to Jody Whittaker, it's like. Well, I don't blame Capaldi yeah. for not wanting to stay with you because your writing is garbage and the people that you are working with are obviously not fans of Doctor Who. At least Moffat is a fan of Doctor Who. And I yeah. think that Peter Capaldi's last couple of episodes are pretty good. The way they ended his 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 story was pretty decent. He did get a couple of good episodes towards the end there, but by then it was too late. 
I mean, by then, you know, his whole era was tainted, and now, you know, I don't know. I, I just hope that that the show gets some sort of redemption after Whitaker leaves. But I can't. I, I, so. I can't remember the the storyline with the impossible girl Clara. She ended up like just uh, lost in space, right? Did they ever find out? Like, was there any uh, final? Cause I don't know what you call it. To be honest with you, did, did they find out like what ended up happening to her? Did she come back at any point? Uh, not remember? with uh, not with the Jody Whitaker doctor, as far as I, I can right? tell. She went off. She went off. Clara went off with that. Uh, with that other with, chick. With that other chick, the chick yeah. from Game of Thrones. Right. The girl yeah. from Game yeah. of Thrones. That's who she went off with. Um, and then, and then Peter Capaldi's new uh, companion, you know, the lesbian black chick. Yep. She ended up. I think her name was. What was her name? Bill. Bill Pot. Billy. Yeah, Bill. Bill. Yeah, Bill. Bill. Yeah. Well, Bill ended up. I mean, and then Bill <laughs> ended up having some sort of weird ass fate too. I mean, they. I mean, they Moffat wasn't wasn't kind to these women in the last couple of these no. the last couple seasons. He was not kind to these people. It, it really was kind of. I did really kind of feel bad. Like I'm like, oh my god, turned left. Remember they turned left Rich Stewart into a uh, into a Cyberman, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, what is going on here? And at one point they turned. And then they turned Bill into a Cyberman, too. That was her fate. They turned yeah. her into a Cyberman, and then they brought her back somehow as, like, a, like a echo of herself or something. And yeah. It was, it was really, really weird. But Capaldi, I did like Capaldi's last episode where he was with the, uh, with the William Hartnell look-alike actor. Yeah. Game of Thrones, and they, had the, they, they did that episode, and that was the... the his final episode, I thought was was pretty decent, but they, but I think they, by at that point, they had completely, you know, messed messed up his era. So to me, yeah, unless they go along with some semblance of what we talked about with your idea, which would essentially wipe everything out after McGann, I don't think I don't think we're gonna I don't think Doctor Who's gonna be approved in any way. I think it's just gonna be. More of the same, even if they get rid of Jodie Whittaker, which I they're thought gonna this, Tom, they're going to get Tom Holland. Oh, probably. <laughs> I would, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Spider-Man who? I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I mean, think about it. Jodie Whittaker, I think, is leaving at the end of whatever this coming season is. Isn't this it for her, I think? Yeah. I think it well, if you follow the three-season rule that they've uh, established, I think that would be the it, yeah, for her. But I think, see, but I think they actually confirmed it that this is her last season. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's, but yeah. I don't even know they're shooting a season three at this point because I, I mean, what's the point? yeah? I mean, it's tanked <laughs> in the ratings so bad, nobody watches it. Everybody yeah. that even Doctor Who fans that review it on YouTube, all they do is trash it. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, at this point, they should just cancel her era and not even, like, do, like, a uh, a regeneration. Just have, like, a Christmas special, like, down the road where she gen- regenerates into the new Doctor somehow, and that's it. I, I think it should be just like how you said. She well, yeah, that should be, but they're, you know they're not going to do that. So. And, and we know they're not going to do that because that would be, number one, that would be too smart, and that would make too many things right. But yeah. they can't. They can't do that. They can't do that right now because of politics. Exactly. They would never be able to do that because that would essentially be 
taking a step back politically and making it seem like, oh, Doctor Who is all about the adoring male gaze again. So we can't have that shit. Mm. We've got to make it. We've got to make it about. We've got to make it about. Uh, you know, about you make the character female centric, and that's fine if you're going to do good writing. And you're going to yeah. make. I I never had any problem with them making the Doctor female. I just had a problem with them, the way they decided to go about making their stories and then the actress that they ended up casting. They might as well have cast uh, Brie Larson as the doctor for oh, all, the, all the good that God. it turned out to be. This, I mean, this, just, this girl I'll, plays Doctor Who smiles too much. No well, I'm, I'll be honest with you, Johnny. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Johnny. Uh, this is as bad as Brie Larson. I actually like Brie Larson, but she doesn't smile. And that's what a lot of people did. Well, this one does smile, and she's more annoying than Brie Larson. That's but I mean, I, I like I like <laughs> the characters Brie Larson plays in movies. She does seem kind of like a, um, a, a CW um, female character from a superhero show in real life. Like, when I saw her um, on that interview with Chris Hemsworth where she was mean to him, like, that kind of pissed me off. I'm like, why the fuck would you ever be mean to Chris Hemsworth? That's like kicking a puppy dog, lady. What the fuck? <laughs> Besides, he's your Thor. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, people, people I, I looking like at, have people respect, looking lady. At Brie, people <laughs> looking at Brie Larson like she's nuts. Cast members looking at Brie Larson like she's a nutcase. And she is. And that's the same way people look at. That's the same way people look at Jodie Whittaker now. Every time she opens her mouth, you yeah. just see the way the interviewer's face like contorts when she talks. It's like, what? What are you saying? Just. Shut up! Don't say anything. Don't don't even don't even speak. You're Doctor Who. So what? <laughs> it's like we don't want to hear about it no more. But I mean, if they get a female uh, for to follow up, I just hope they get a better actress number one, and they try to take they try to at least make Doctor Who uh, more like Doctor Who. But they're not going to do. That. So See my I, to my me, issue to me, to me it's dead. They're not my they're not my issue is the doctor should always stay an old British guy or old Scottish guy. Like I, there's some things here, and I'm not being sexist because I would love to see a female you know TARDIS you know flying doctor that is not in this timeline or it's not this version of the doctor. Oh yeah, definitely. But and you're right because they. I'm a, I'm a purist. Keep it the yeah. way it's been, the way we grew up watching it. You know, have your own thing. That's fine. But stop yeah. trying to replace what I love with your gender politics, people. That's my whole thing. Uh, I like that Sarah Jane Adventures. I love that show. Why? It was original. It had you know the whole doctor thing going for it. It was a great series. It was fun. Oh my you know, god! It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And and good if it cast. And if it was made, and if it was made today, if it was made today, it would probably be a big hit. Correct. To be honest with you, because they do it right. They give they give Sarah Jane. All, and what I love about Sarah Jane is they never made her like. A Mary Sue. They never gave the bestest her, ever. They never, they never <laughs> gave her anything that she didn't already have. She was right. very intelligent, and they made her had her use her wits, and she learned all the stuff that she needed to know from all those different times and different adventures she had with the doctor. She had history. Right. It was the per, it was literally the perfect show to be a female centric Doctor Who. If they would have took Sarah Jane and somehow turned her into a Time Lord. I would have been all about that because yep. at that point I would have said, 
that that's brilliant because she it was so perfectly suited for the role. Yeah. But, yeah, you don't yeah. Ha- you don't have that with Jodie Whittaker. With yeah. Jodie Whittaker, you just get a they just get anybody that they thought would. Oh, she's kind of cute. Let's make her the next Doctor. I mean, right. What what the? You know what? You know what? She was in Attack the She was in Attack the Block with John Boyega. He just got Star Wars, and they're like, "Oh, well, let's get another actor from that movie." You know, it's popular now. But that, that's an interesting idea that you just brought up, Jekyll. Maybe they should maybe like step back and let, leave Doctor Who to breathe and kind of tell, uh, because that wasn't the only odd, esoteric, surreal sci-fi show that the BBC had in the 60s that people loved. I mean, they could, they could bring back like Sapphire and Steel. They could do the Avengers. There's a lot of yeah. really, really cool shows that had that same kind of trippy weirdness that Doctor yep. Strange had, especially Sapphire and Steel, because that one was um, about elemental creatures yeah. that travel to different places, and it, it had a very, very Doctor Who-centric type thing to it. Um, and I don't know, I think that maybe if they played around with stuff like that, instead of just trying to milk this one cow till it runs out of milk, they might be a little better off. Maybe even re- try to redo the the prisoner again, since well, that last well, one. Yeah. Well, this, this but it's is, been long enough to... Yeah, prisoner, they, they could. they could. But the problem with the problem now, if they tried to redo the prisoner, prisoner would be sprinkled with all kinds of identity politics, too. It would become... It would be... Uh, it would of course be a female centric show, and they would they would totally it, they would do the same thing to it that they did to Doctor Who. That would be the problem, and then you would have an even you would have an even bigger uproar because people who love The Prisoner love that show. So you would have you would have yeah, another. I love I The do, Prisoner, so yeah, I, I do too. So I, I would be I would be completely I, I would be completely against it if they did it under today's. Under today's uh, umbrella, I think it. I just don't think until things change a little bit, until we get over all this bullshit that we're going through now, I, I, I wouldn't want to see them touch the prisoner because I know they wouldn't do it right. And, right. And and, Do- and Doctor Who, you're you got a you got a lot of you got a lot of stuff that they did to bury to bury it, and now it's like all they're doing is kicking it while it's down by continuing yeah. it. They need to just let it die. Let it die for about let it die for about ten years, and then bring it back like like the Jodie Whittaker era never happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, why not? That's what they could do because it's a it's a Doctor Who. You know, it's like Doctor Who has reached that point, like in the old series, like the like the Sylvester McCoy era, where where they decided after that that they needed a break. And yeah. this is this is that point with the new series. They need a break. They need to step away, yeah. and they need to just. Well, I mean, like, if, well, with the agenda um, stuff, like um, the Avengers would be perfect for that. I mean, like there was always badass kung fu women running around yeah. with. Um, with uh, What's dude's name with the umbrella? See, but, but you're right. That's and too that, much. That's too much. Like right though, they they they, they don't want to they don't want to mess with shows where they can actually be successful with their gender politics. No, they want to dip into shows that don't have that and force force that. On right. That, that's that's the thing. what the problem is. You yep. could do you could do that all. But you did. You gave us a perfect idea right now by mentioning. The Avengers, I swear, I hope that they do that. That would yeah. be the best thing that they could do because they could they could really build off of that. Why haven't they rebooted that yet? 
Because, guys, they need to do Charlie's Angels all over again. Because <laughs> they keep, re- they keep vomiting over the same crap over and over and over again. They're like, instead of like going back to the wall and doing something that's been done very limited times or not at all, no, let's do the Charlie's Angels five times now. Yeah, I think even Aaron Spelling wants people to quit fucking doing Charlie's Angels. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in his grave, he's like, "God damn, fucking reboots!" <laughs> leave it alone. Leave my angels alone. It's just like, it's just like I don't, I, I don't understand. Like, and, and it's always something that doesn't need, that doesn't need to be touched. It's always something that you that was done right the first time, and there's really no need to go to it now or to mess with the formula that exists. Doctor Who had an established fan base, so there was no need, and it was, and it's a big established fan base, so there was no need to mess with it and basically reinvent the wheel with Jodie Whittaker the way that they, the way that they did. And it's the same thing with with anything with anything else that they've rebooted late recently. There, a lot of the stuff that they've done, they've done it to themselves. They didn't need to do this. It's the same thing with Disney Star Wars. Disney Star Wars should have been the easiest, simplest thing in the world to do another trilogy. I mean, I don't yeah. know how they, how they managed to screw that up. Dude, sitting on the phone, sitting on Skype, years. we've come up with stories from Star Wars that are better. Not only that, you got 30-plus <laughs> years of, of expanded universe stuff that you could have drew from, and you could have built... You could have told any number of stories, and it would have been a better trilogy than what we got. Plus, yeah. George Lucas gave you treatments on top of it that that would have been better stories than what we got here. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what what the idea is nowadays. I think these these uh, studios and, and and companies have just decided they don't like making money. That's really the only the only thing you can think about. Well, no, you know, we made too much money last time around. No, we I undercut ourselves by about seventy five percent because I, you know it'd be funny if that would be the case, but I don't think it is. I think it's just incompetence <laughs> at this point. I think they they hire people because they think they might have a good idea, and then it turns out the 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 executives are the ones that don't know what the hell they're doing because they're picking the wrong people. Like for example, look. Who has not failed as a writer up more than Chris Terrio the last few years? Let, let's be real. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, he, he, the movies that he's been involved in have all been like mangled in the uh, critic uh, critical part of the world. Like, you know, not a lot of fans. For they've been work. mangled, but they've also been yeah. They, but they've also been, been money. studio mangled. You've got the studios that come in and mangle the shit out of everything and don't go by what this man has written, and that's the problem you have. That's the problem you have. But yeah, Skywalker. That's but the don't. But see, it's the thing. The the original script that he treated for right this is what I was going with uh, with Chris Terrio because the original script that he wrote for Rise of Skywalker was very problematic and that's why they brought in Lucas and they wanted his take on it and then the take they didn't follow Lucas either no they but that's not funny that's not that's where they fucked up because the take is supposedly that they, they saw after the movie came out which was the Lucas take everybody in the room like got pissed and they were like why didn't we put this out. This right. is a much better cut than what we released. And that was a rewrite of what Terrier had written because it was 
Terry was, what he did was supposed to be, like, really bad. And even what we ended up with was a little bit more aligned to what Terry had written. So at the end of the day... No, that's, not what, that's not what Terry was saying. Well, Terry was... Well, no, I'm not saying it was exactly by, like it, but there's Terrio, a lot more. If you go by Terry, they, they butchered him for Rise of Skywalker the same way they butchered him with Justice League. So I don't know. All but I know you, is... I, I don't know, but either way, I, I think they need... They need to go to like and and find people that are actually like passionate about these projects. Like this is why Cobra Kai works so well. The people involved were passionate. Before they even went to the actors, the producers and writers were like, "This is the story we have to make. This is like our life's mission." You know, like that's a, that's filmmakers' real passion. This is what Lucas was in the seventies. He had a passion to make a project about a space opera. He couldn't do uh, Lord of the Rings. He couldn't do Flash Gordon. So he said, "You know what? I'm gonna create my own stuff." And he was creative, and he created Star Wars. And it was that. Passion what you know, we love now in Star Wars, the, you know, because he put everything that he could in his mind behind the story, and then he brought in the right writers to help him flesh out the story. You don't have that anymore. You have a writer who's given a project who might not be passionate about it, but might be a competent writer, which Terrio is a very competent writer, meaning you can tell him, write me a script. He'll write you a script which is cohesive and makes sense, but doesn't always mean it's good. Or it's going to translate well, and that's the problem he's had. And uh, didn't he write um, Argo though? Like he wrote the script for Argo, he, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one of the writers on Argo, but Argo was based on a true story. And not only that, it's such a good original story that all he has to do is get a competent writer that knows how to write a script and tell him, okay, make this into a script. And you follow that script, and you're going to come out with a generally good movie, and especially if you casted well. And they had a very good cast. Yeah, even Ben Affleck, who I, I know I've given a lot of shit as Batman to, but he's not a bad actor. I just didn't like him as Batman. But in Argo, he was really good. He's a good director. And, you know, it was a script based on a true story. So you have already elements that are in your favor. When you take a writer who is not a talented storyteller, but he's a good A and B writer or ABC writer, which is what Terrio is, meaning he's a very competent script writer. He can, you know, format the script properly. He knows how to do all the sentences and know how to, like, you know, go from scene to scene, how to... uh um, when you segue from one action sequence to another sequence to a drama sequence to a, you know, he knows how to do those kind of little things. But he, when it comes to fleshing out stories, that's been his weakness. And I'm sure they, they butchered Rise of Skywalker from the original script he did because they butchered everything. But the Lucas take was the one that the studio and everybody who saw it said that was the best take of all of them. And that's the one they should have gone with. Which, again, it goes back to the creator of the series. Who better to bring in I, I would than take the whatever script explained how the Emperor had a swamp full of Star Destroyers. That's that's all I ask, is how well, the fuck did he get a swamp, cut, swamp Lucas through? Cut, Lucas's cut allegedly explains how the Emperor yeah. came back. And no, 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 I don't care how he came back. I, I want to know about the swamp full of stars. No, I don't stars. think that was in a script. That wasn't part of the Lucas cut. That was added uh, later okay. on. Yeah. 
I was part of the Disney mandate. They were like, make it bigger and more badass. I'm more like this now. And they were like, uh, okay. He, he's like a magical wizard, man. Like, the, the fact that he was able to, like, find a way to be still alive, like, that never bothered me. The, the, the swamp full of Star Destroyers is what, like, I was, like, I get stuck on with that film and just, like, makes no sense. Like, yeah. why are they down? Why, why, why did he keep him down there for so long when, like, he. he, he I don't even want to get into it. Like, I, and the I, massive I, amount of people that it would take to create so many like star destroyers. I mean, think about the undertaking first of all. Yeah, and did they have to all like <laughs> weld underwater and stuff? To, were they built down there too? Or does he have, like, I, they never explain that on the movie. Not only that, uh, to to just have a crew to run one of those things. Are you talking, are you talking about maybe thousands of people per? Yeah, we're, we're talking about flying cities, basically. Those things are huge. Yeah. Like, you, if you see, like, what, like, a, a X-Wing or a TIE Fighter looks like next to them, they're, they're minuscule, you know what I mean? They're like little bugs. But So, yeah, a Star Destroyer, you're, you're like, looking at, I don't know, so you, you at least, what, 20,000 people on there? Something like Easy. that. At least. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we're not... Probably and well, actually, you could probably even say yeah, twenty plus thousand, maybe thirty thousand. If you count like you know, just maintenance people and people that are not actually on the uh, you know front line fighting with the empire, like they're just you know part of the backup crew. Yeah, yeah, there's janitors and <laughs> right, yeah, and daycare people watching the kids. <laughs> yeah, you got all that stuff. You got the people that work in the lunch room. Yeah, I would love to see a Star Wars series based on the empire. Uh, in the uh, lunchroom of, like, one of the, <laughs> the cafeterias. <laughs> and the whole thing is just based off of, like, the cafeteria and the Empire. And, like. the, and, the, fi- <laughs> and the final ep- and the final episode, in the final episode, it's like the lunchroom of the Death Star in the final episode. Yeah. The Death Star blows up and all the characters die. Yeah. Man, Bob Rat meet again. Man, I wish we had Tauntaun, man. Uh, <laughs> think about how cool that would be. Like, yeah, you know, the you it's like Titanic. You know it's going to blow up. You could you could have the show you could have the show if you wanted to you could have the show uh, start from the beginning of like an episode where you see like uh, you see the Death Star first being you know first being built and and the end of the series the series could go for like five or six seasons when you could, and you see it fully fully realized and everything and it, I mean like you say it would all focus on this one like one lunchroom. Like, yeah, it'd be like Cheers, but like in a like, like that DC yeah. like that DC show that they made a couple of years ago. What was it? Where it just focused on like one small group of people. What was it called? Something um, powerless or super powerless? Powerless, yeah. yeah. Powerless. Yeah. Alan Tudyk. Yeah, that was yeah. That was where a it, fun yeah, show. yeah, it didn't. Yeah. Well, this is you know this is what it would be where you know and it would just be all the antics and goofy stuff that happens in this lunchroom on the desktop. <laughs> Yeah, and then and you could like have people like stormtrooper come in or like one of those guys with the buckets on their head, like, "Hey, man, what was that big noise we heard today? Oh, we finally fired the cannon, man. We nuked Alderaan. Oh yeah, buddy, up high. You know, do you have like some <laughs> little stuff like that from the? Yeah, yeah, well, that would happen in the. That would of course happen in the final season because eventually the Death Star gets blown up. Yeah, so yeah, you would have, right. so you would have, so you would have to lead. You would have to lead all the way into that. Then the final shot of the show would be they're sitting down to eat and they're like. What's going on in the boom? We just see the best pop blow up. That'd be a great little show. It'd be a great little Dude, show. Dude, that'd be like Titanic on like Star Wars too. But you know, at the end, they're all gonna die. Like, right? All these characters, you would, you would like, 
you get to know you you know you get to know the you know the chef and you get to know all these different characters there'd be different characters but you'd always have uh, different people appear and and, and then the funny thing is you could actually have you know different villains and bounty hunters and characters appear you know at different points in time on the show because it's just this it's just a small contained show that takes place in this one particular lunchroom. Yeah. Just think about the jingle on that thing. Where every Sith knows your name. Come on down to the little corner on the Death Star. Where every Sith knows your name. Yeah, those, yeah, those, rebels, those, <laughs> those rebels are at it again. Where'd you come from? Oh, I just came off of, came out of Tatooine. And the door opens. Norm! You just gotta have somebody named Norm. Come into the door at one point. <laughs> just for the hell of it. Oh, dude, that would be so brilliant. And the manager would be Kaz, just for the hell of it. It would be... Uh, I, I think it would be a great <laughs> series. It would be a great little comedy thing. And, and, make it, and yeah, you, you, make it like a, you make it like a sitcom type thing. Yeah, yeah. Like legit, like old-style sitcom. It would be, be hilarious. I mean, why not? I, I, that's something like the you know they could tap into all kinds of things because like even in a serious Star Wars type of environment, there's gonna be areas where people are just gonna wanna like have fun and stuff. And uh, you, you know that or like the Cantina from Tatooine. Why hasn't that been a series? Oh, yeah, yeah, we could we could do like imagine? a construction show oh, about the, the iron workers the built. Death Star. That would be fun. Hold on, one at a time. One at a time. You guys cancel each other out there. <laughs> Most Mos Eisley. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny. Oh, I was saying like, yeah, or would like maybe do like a construction show about iron workers building the Death Star, like kind of a prequel show to like the mess hall show. Um, because like, yeah, I mean like when we're, you're on the job, I, I don't care if we, I was working for like the Empire, I'm pretty sure it'd be like the same as doing construction work now. Uh, yeah. It'd be It'd be like high school, bunch of fart jokes, you know, guys come up, show you some messed up porn on their phone while you're in the middle of doing something, just like, kind of screw up what you're working on, have to like redo it a little bit, you know, kind of throw some of that into the Star Wars universe, make it, make it real, realism, listen! (laughs) Uh, But I think Disney's like really like missing out, not listening to this uh, pitch right here. This would be great for them, I'm telling you. This would completely redeem Star Wars. Well, the one thing that I really got a kick out of, though, um, speaking of the bar in Mos Eisley, is um, how racist the human bartender was towards droids Yeah. when Luke tried to bring him in. But in um, Mandalorian, there was a droid bartender. Like, yeah. And politics changed over the years. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about identity politics, people. Oh, my yeah. God. I got a droid running that old racist's bar. <laughs> Well, you know, droids have come a long way there, Johnny. Yeah, they have. <laughs> there was a big civil unrest with the droids, and C-3PO led the march. He said he once had a dream when he was shut off. When he woke up as a member of the Sith, he gave some weird address to some old guy. And then he was rebooted. And now he was to unite the galaxy. By doing so, he's appointing his own people, his own droids, to run places like Mos Eisley. It's epic. It's real. It's Star Wars. Hell yeah. 
I, I'd go to what, what, what's it called Navarro and hang out with fucking um, Carl Weathers though man like that's oh, that, yeah. that, like the place to kick it especially after um, seeing him in uh, Arrested Development me and him we'd be like picking up chicken bones be like make a stew baby get some water get a potato man <laughs> get yourself a stew <laughs> Carl Weathers he's awesome dude uh, yeah <laughs> Uh, you can put him in anything. I watch Carl Weathers, and like, like, I can't get enough of like Carl Weathers, especially now. Like, you know, he's you know older. Yeah. And now he's just like you know, he's just being funny. Just how classic he was in um, Arrested Development, man. As yeah. Tobias Fuchs, acting coach, but like all he kept talking about is how he could make stews with like rib bones and shit. Like, uh, it was the stupidest thing, but I. I, I Probably one of the funniest bits on the show, in my opinion. Yeah, like, yeah. Man, nice. No, but I love the fact that I love the fact that he's like really grown into like that kind of sense of humor. Because early on, he was very serious. You know, even like in the Rocky movies, he was like always kind of like he was Apollo Creed. You know, he was like a serious, you know, boxer like type. Uh, but uh, you know, he's really, really, really come on. Uh, over like you know, since he was in Happy Gilmore, let's be real. Yeah, Happy yeah. Gilmore broke his brain. Yeah, him that's the one that really did it. Like let's be real. When he did Happy Gilmore, that was okay. He can do comedy. Anybody that can stand behind Adam Sandler going, it's all in the hips. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you got to be yeah. a little. When you go psych- from Apollo to Chubbs, you're you know you've made it in Hollywood. <laughs> God bless Carl Weathers. Yeah, he's awesome. And, uh, I mean, he was a really good action guy, too. Action Jackson, remember that? Action Jackson, the first yeah. editor. He was in a lot of good stuff when he yeah, was younger. He's buff as fuck, too. Like, uh, if you watch Commando, he's almost as ripped as um, uh, Arnie. He's even more ripped than Jesse Ventura. So, he was he was no joke when he was young, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah he went from uh, being an action guy to, like, eventually, like, Getting more into comedy, and I think that too to better. You know, once you get older, also you got to kind of reinvent yourself, and he's done a really good job of doing that. So, if they bring him in somewhere, and the uh, you know any of these big universes, whether he's already in Star Wars because of the Mandalorian, obviously, but if you bring him into like anything, I'm I'm down to watch him. He's just like a fun dude, you know. Like, like there's a few, a few actors who like fit that mold. You like he gets older, and he's like, oh, like Leslie Nielsen was like that. The older he got, the better. Like watching him on screen was and, like with naked. Well, yeah, stuff. all all those guys like um, were serious actors that broke funny in Airplane. Did that like Leslie Nielsen? Um, yeah. Uh, what Jeff Bridges' dad, Lloyd Bridges, and, yeah. and uh, what's his name? The guy from uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, all, those guys were all real serious yeah. actors until they did Airplane, and then, yeah, they became the funniest fuckers on the planet for till the 90s, you know what I mean? Like, they ran comedy, those three coots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock, who who would have thought Robert of Robert Stack. Robert Stack. That's the um, Unsolved Mystery guy's name. And he's still creepy on Unsolved Mysteries, whenever you watch the reruns. Oh, yeah. Well, my, <laughs> my favorite is when he reprised that role in the movie Basketballs, and Perhaps yes. he's by fucking neck in his closet. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. They actually got Robert Steck to say that shit, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> Very uh, underrated comedy, by the way, Basketballs. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Well, I like all Trey Parker and Matt Stone's yeah. movies. That one's actually probably my favorite, to tell you the truth. Like, that one's... 
Is that like the only live action they've done? Because I know they did uh, Team America, but that wasn't live action. That was puppeteering. So they did Orgasmo. Was there? That's right. One. Yeah. Oh man, I forgot about Orgasmo. Oh, and and, and um, Cannibal the Musical, the trauma movie that they made. But like, barely, nobody's really seen that besides me. I don't think. But it's it's hilarious. If you ever see Cannibal the Musical, you'll probably like it. Cannibal the Musical. I wonder what that's about. Uh, it's takes place it's actually about a real thing that happened in Colorado but they made it into a comedy and a musical and it's completely retarded but in the best twist possible wow. you know what I mean look who it's, it's coming Rick from Parker and Matt Stone yeah, like, yeah what do you expect yeah. but there's the they, they sing a song about let's build a snowman and stuff in it and there's a cyclops <laughs> in the Rocky Mountains all kinds of just dumb shit but it's it's wonderful see if, if there ever was a couple of dudes that deserve to do more movies is those guys whether it's directing or writing or being in the movie, because they're really funny, and uh, yeah. you know they they spent what nearly twenty something years now uh, doing South Park. Yeah, um, yeah, it's South Park's got to be twenty five because, like, I think it yeah. came out the rough. So I know that I was a freshman in high school and started airing. So that means nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, so around there. Twenty-three years, twenty-two, twenty-three years, something like that. Fuck. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something old again. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, no, I remember having first time somebody in the hallway, "Mommy, kids being a dildo." You know, like that was. Well, that was guess somebody's gonna join little mommy in a bed tonight. <laughs> it's something like that she says. It's, yeah. Uh, no, sir. Idiot that's sleeping with mommy tonight. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Dude, I remember back in the, uh, I think it was like season two of uh, South Park. I got over to a friend's house and they were watching on TV and I, like, I was walking in the door and all I hear is like a room full of people like, cracking up and I'd never seen the show before. And um, I walk in, I'm like, what are y'all laughing at? They're like, Dude, you haven't seen South Park? And I was like, nah. And then I sat down and I watched like from half, I guess, of the episode where I caught into like the rest of the episode, and uh, it was like the funniest shit I'd ever seen at that point. And I was—I've been a fan since. I mean, I have like ten of the seasons. At some point, you stop buying them because you're like, "God damn, it's like so many that just keep coming out with different seasons." So yeah, for real. You know. But like, some in some ways, there's a couple episodes that'll never get aired, and like the so streaming sites won't um, have them. Like the Scientology episode, so the only way you can yeah. get those if you buy the DVD. But yeah, aside from like those, like I'd say that yeah, with all the streaming, the advent of the streaming, like trying to hunt down and buy all the seasons of South Park's crazy. Yeah, I think I have the first eight. And yeah, when the first show first started, I I wanted to hate it. I hated the way the animation looked. I just thought <laughs> it looked it looked dumb. And um, it was the episode where Stan had the gay dog. It was the first one I ever saw. <laughs> Red Rocket. Uh, Red Rocket. <laughs> and I, I, I'd never seen anything like that before. I couldn't believe it was on fucking television. You know what I mean? Like, it was... I, I, I didn't see... I'd never seen movies that gotten that crude. You know what I mean? But, like, there was, like, a, a cartoon on TV, and I was just like, yeah, I like this. This is this is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, 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 uh, the gay dog wasn't the one that, like, uh, that Carbon jerked off, right? That was a different dog. Oh, no, that's, that was a different episode. No, yeah, this right, was right, the right. one where um, yeah, George Clooney did the dog's voice and like it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, he goes to meet the uh, big gay owl or something, and like he becomes yeah. like he figures out he's gay. He's a gay dog. Yeah, I remember that episode, but I I always get confused because like the woman Carmen jerks on the dog. He's like, it squirts, <laughs> red rocket, red rocket. <laughs> Oh god, that fucking show! Hey guys, uh, yeah, I can't believe it's yeah, it's <laughs> one of the one of the longest running television shows ever. Well, by the time it's done, it's incredible. And uh, I don't think they're going to like stop anytime soon. I mean, they're at least going thirty seasons at this point. They, Trey Parker and Matt Stone actually want to quit. They just keep getting mandated, and they like money. But like they've tried to make the show as worse, and the worse they make it, the more people <sighs> love it. I know. So like, they've literally been begging people to get them fired. For I don't know if it's them being funny or you know, but like it seems legit because they 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 keep the shtick up. They're like, dude, we we just we got we kind of just want to relax and spend our money, but we we, we just got to keep working. So can you guys can you guys get us fired? Complain about this shit a little bit, you know, on Twitter. And it's like <laughs> that's pretty funny. That and but like it just feeds the fans. The fans love it. The, the cruder and weirder and nastier it gets, the and the more it reflects reality, too. That's the terrifying yeah. part about the show. <laughs> well, I, I <laughs> think at some I, at some point, I think they're like just trolling the fans and using a little reverse psychology, like, "Yeah, get us fired." So everybody's like, "No way, man!" And they're like, they they stick with the show. It's like creating a buzz out of something negative and turning it into a positive because that show. I mean, it's a beloved show. It's like The Simpsons in a way, where once it's like over with and gone, we're gonna be like, "Damn, that ran for that long." And it's yeah, you know you know fill that I void. Saying, I think The Simpsons is like one of the only shows that's beating it for for length of running time, right? Like yeah. that and like WWF. Well, yeah, but WWF has been around since like pff, forever, like. Yeah, and they are like three times a week and shit, so yeah, like yeah. it's going to be possible to ever catch up with them. <laughs> now they're doing Raw Underground. <laughs> raw Underground. Is that what it's actually called? Yeah, because they got no fans. <laughs> so <it's> like, <laughs> I, I haven't paid attention to wrestling in, in years. Last, last I saw, um, yeah, Stone Cold is still around and shit last time I watched wrestling, so. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I don't really follow it anymore. I don't know about Zod. Uh, but uh, I saw the uh, there was a post on how the uh, we're doing it now, and uh, since there's nobody there in the, the audience, uh, they're doing like an underground type of raw. They're calling it raw underground. And I was okay. like, that's that's stupid, but well, gotta so make money somehow. A couple of my buddies I do podcasts which, with that watch the wrestling. They said that those audienceless shows were kind of hard to get used to at first, but the, they're, they're they're a little warmed up to it now, and the the wrestlers it took them a while to actually perform really good because i guess without the audience pop like they just had they were really stiff and shit so it took the, yeah. the wrestlers a little while to get into it but i hear it's actually pretty decent now if you're into that type of stuff i'm uh, not really no, and that, they're, they're letting <laughs> limited audiences into certain showings too depending on where they are which I, i've heard so that's kind of cool yeah, it's uh, not my bag anymore. I haven't really followed wrestling in a long time either. And that's since Stone Cold, but uh, Zod, you, uh, you've been watching the wrestling? Uh, rest, no. no. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> Same here. Yeah, it's like, yeah, whatever. It, you know, it, it, especially without the fans. It's like sports in general. I can't get into like any of the sports without the fans in there because that's like a big part of it. The excitement, like baseball... It's like watching batting practice. It's like, 
Yeah, that's what I've heard people about the games that are playing now. People are saying that they're, they're just fucking unentertaining. Without, I never thought baseball was watchable anyway. So, like, yeah, I don't know if without the audience pop, it's even worse to watch because that's, like, one of the most boring things you could possibly put on your television, in my opinion. I think, like, maybe watching people play golf or bowling would be, like, the only way you could get boringer than fucking baseball. See, golf will probably have no issues going forward because it's just one guy, a ball, and a fucking you know club, and yeah. everybody's like far away from him, so he can you know get away with like you know walking around or being in a golf cart or whatever. It's like the laziest sport you could probably like. And you, you know, have to be have. quiet too. They got the signs. They tell the right. when there are audiences, you got to stay quiet the entire time anyway. So yeah, that's like the perfect kung flu type of sport because it doesn't matter. You can, Go ahead and continue, you know, with that anyway. So, uh, golf will probably do okay in the future if we stay in this uh, pandemic uh, for a long, extended period of time. But baseball, I, I don't know how they can continue, and, and especially right now, there's so many people getting, you know, like sick. And the Marlins here alone had like 19 players got sick. Well, that night, how much it must cost to like rent and, and use one of those coliseums without like getting that gate money in like i'm pretty right. sure the tv buy rates don't can't pay for all of that i don't i so wouldn't when think they I get don't sick know. like that do they just quit the games like do they just like not you know does the team just decide not if enough numbers of the of the team got sick do they just not play for the rest of the year yeah. how does that work yeah well what That's they did works. is yeah what they did is they they did two squad reserves uh, which is what the Marlins are, are now like dipping into. For example, they had a center fielder named Luis Br- uh, Brinson, who's been there for three years. He sucks, by the way. But they have like a bunch of minor leaguers, which are pretty good since the minor leagues are not playing. Uh, they just brought up Monty Harrison, who's like their number nine prospect, and he's a pretty good number, uh, pretty good outfielder. And uh, they brought him up to play in center field because they have no center fielder uh, because he's down with COVID. They had another guy who they had signed to play center field, but then the shortstop decided to opt out for the season because of uh, the Kung Flu. So he's not going to play the season. So since he's not playing, the guy who's in center field moved into the infield. So now they brought Monty Harris from the reserve to play the outfield. And they're going to be switching players back and forth if they get sick or they decide to opt out. You know, it's it's a mess. At this point, this late in the year, they're only playing like two months worth of uh, season, uh, the, the season. So it's like, why even bother? They're playing like that, sixty now, well, games. There's been a, there's a bunch of teams that opted out of even playing, right? And a couple of them even kind of started playing and, and dropped out of the competition. From what I heard. Uh, no, no, teams are all, all the teams are all playing. It's it's players that are dropping out, and opting out. Okay. Not the teams, yeah, teams are all in. But the way they're doing it, instead of doing the regular structure for like the the leagues, um, it's like in every league since it's a short se- it's a short season, uh, they're having it so it's um, the first eight teams are going to make it to the playoffs, and then they're going to have like a super playoff, and it's mm-hmm. retarded. So I mean I don't I don't know where they're going with it. At this point, they should just cancel the whole season. I mean, what's the what's the point? Yeah, right. Because no people are just going to get sick. Are just going to keep getting sick until they get a handle on this. It's just there's just no. It just is pointless at this at this yeah. time. I don't I don't get it. I mean, you're putting people at risk, families for at no risk. reason. Yeah, yeah. Like, why? 
You know, it, it's weird. And the ratings have been in the toilet. I mean, bad for like across the board. Even the NBA, uh, the first game of the NBA had decent ratings. It actually had pretty good ratings. Uh, and then like they all took a knee. And in the next few games, ratings were like eighty percent of the first uh, the first game. They all dropped drastically. I mean, every every game since has been like the worst ratings ever. Nobody wants to watch it because it's not exciting. They don't have the fans there. The atmosphere is not the same. Politically, they've shot themselves in the foot. Uh, you know, it's just a whole lot of things that are like gone wrong with sports. Which I think you know, if they just take the year off from all sports, to hell with it. You know, just let everybody just be so they don't get each other sick and let everybody just cool off. I mean. This year's been a hot mess anyway, so why bother? Right, right. Yeah. And, and the thing is, with the way things are going, we don't even know if things are going to be any different come next year because they don't have a handle on it yet. So, I mean, it's so, it's just bizarre. I don't, I don't, I can That's, see, you know, and yeah. people got more to worry about than sporting events right now. So, I, I mean, I think you're 100% right. Like, they should just, like, Shut it all down for now and give people a chance to. I mean, think about this. We, we talk about entertainment. We talk about movies and TV uh, shows a lot on the show here and streaming yeah. and stuff. But, you know, those are less, you know, uh, you know, less uh, volume of people that are involved uh, to an extent when you're talking about the shooting aspect of, uh, of a series or a movie. Uh, it, it can be done in enclosed sets. They're easier to control. Uh, you don't need a large audience to feed the, the profit of the uh, said program at that moment. Uh, you just need to film it, right? So you can do the filming in a very enclosed environment, stream it, whatever. Uh, but when it comes to sports, you need that environment. You need the fans. You exactly. need the reactions. You need exactly. all these little extra bits and pieces that makes it you know worth watching on TV. If not, it is boring as not. Football boring as not. Baseball boring as not. Basketball boring. Wrestling boring. Uh, golf has always been boring to me. I, I can't watch golf. Yeah. Uh, tennis. I never understood how anybody could. Yeah. <laughs> no, not my sport either. Uh, you know, so I mean, why even bother? Why continue with something that it sucks? It's not going to get good ratings. Uh, people are just not, you know, interested in sports this year. Right now, like you said, Todd, we're we're going through something that's a little bit more important than whether you know, Aaron uh, Judge hit three home runs to, tonight. Nobody cares. It, it's all because yeah, they I don't have the, who that is. You know, well, he was uh, a pretty big name a few years ago for the uh, Yankees, for the damn Yankees. Uh, but you know, to be fair, right now nobody cares about sports. Uh, it, it, it's like it's funny because a lot of people also are stopping. Uh, you know, where even entertainments become something that people just don't care about as much anymore even movies and stuff like most people just don't give a shit right now like about any of that stuff they want to like more know about what's going on in the news about what's happening you know with our daily activities and daily lives and what's happening with this uh, kung flu and this you know pandemic so sports is something that can completely go away for a year 
two years and then pick up again if we get over this thing. Entertainment right. and, and I, it would pick up like nothing, and it would pick right. up like nothing ever happened, too. That's the thing about all this yeah. stuff. That's what, you know, people need to realize. It's not like people won't be hungry for it when it's safe for it to come back. Correct. And entertainment-wise, I can see that picking up a little bit, you know, quicker because of said, you know, way of they can, you know, film things, like I said earlier. So it's a little bit easier to understand, yeah, they can start putting movies out or streaming stuff out a little bit quicker. But sports, it's a bigger animal to deal with. It's more complicated, and it's more of a health risk to, you know, innocent family members or these athletes who are going to get sick because they're going to want to be around their family members. And they have, like, in basketball, they, they're playing like in a bubble with the whole families. And, I mean, it's ridiculous, like, the stuff they're, they're, they're putting people through just to, like, appease a television contract. That's all it is, is to, like, you know, make sure that they live by their contract for TV. But, look, if we're going through a pandemic, screw the contract. You know, these these TV networks have to understand that this is something that we're all kind of facing. And we have, uh, or facing, you know, I should say, I should correct my slang there. Uh, but, you know, we have, like, what, 60 years worth of TV and movie programming. We could fit a, a few more months or years worth of TV and, and film and entertainment. And you can even put, you know, all the sports movies on ESPN. And just run with it for a while. There's a lot of content to fill the narrative for a little while, where we don't all like you know have to like drive ourselves crazy. Plus, we have the internet where you can watch everything on demand now. Anyway, so I don't think we're going to be suffering for entertainment exactly. You know, new content maybe, but no, it's maybe a good time to go and rewatch some stuff you you know you watched when you were a kid or. Maybe watch something that you haven't really caught up on. Like, I'm trying to catch up and finish watching a few shows that I missed the, you know, seasons after, like, the first couple seasons. Yeah, now I'm going to start getting watching caught up in those. Foreign films. There you go. You start watching some foreign films. Just stay away from, like, those snuff movies, right? They drive me likes. I don't watch no snuff movies, man. <laughs> I watch... <laughs> But yeah, no, like there's a lot of really good Asian movies that most yeah. people don't even know exist, which are really good. We had to where you don't even have to get into the um, disturbing side of things. I wasn't going to try to introduce anybody into that. Like I would bring up art, art films if I was going to talk about that because those all somehow air over on that side, even though like it's not art; it's just gross. But whatever, they can classify it what they want. But yeah, regular like. Um, yeah, dude, like, Japanese movies are just a wonderful blast. And if you like goofy action, comedy with um, maybe some gore, yeah, man, just dive right on into Japanese cinema. It's just wonderful go. shit to be had. And, dude, even, like, some more Americanized or, like, foreign movies that you can find here easily. Like, I had a buddy of mine who was telling me that, man, I'm fucking bored. I have nothing to do. Like, I've seen every movie. And I was like, have you seen Devil's Backbone? And he's like, no, nah, i never seen that. And I was like, you have to watch Devil's Backbone. And he looked for it online, found it, watched it, and he's like, dude, that is an awesome fucking movie. Then I recommended like 10 more movies. He sent me a message back saying, thank you, you made my week. Movies he's never seen before. Devil's, back- Devil's Backbone's brutal, though. Like, if you're going to watch that, like, be prepared to get kicked in the feels. Yes. And um, be slightly disturbed because, like, it, it, it's not, like, in a gross way, but the movie has, like, some really, really hard themes to it because it takes place yeah. in an orphanage during World War One yep. in Spain. And so, like, it's it's fucked up. It's got some 
in good ways, but yeah, it's definitely a movie that will stick with you after you watch it, which is good. And yep. yeah, man, Guillermo del Toro rules. A lot of people don't know about Devil's Backbone, but it's sweet. I actually just bought another copy of it because Mike Mignola nice. threw the cover for the um, the Criterion Blu-ray, so like I ended up buying that just for the Mike Mignola cover. Nice. It's funny because I sold a bunch of like my DVDs, and I would never get rid of that one. I love that DVD. It's uh, again, it's one of my favorite uh, movies. It's probably my favorite Guillermo del Toro movie, to be honest. Yeah, it's definitely his best. It's probably not his most entertaining yeah. and watchable, but it's definitely his best. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where you're like, you're like, well, how about Hellboy one and two? Don't you like those? Uh, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I love Hellboy one and two. And I love Pan's Labyrinth, and I love I, I love just about almost every movie he's ever done. But when you watch Devil's Backbone, there's like there's a different kind of film style that he did in that movie, where it's like it's far beyond like you know expectations for like what he has done afterwards. Where even he said that like when they, he was interviewed once and they asked him, "What's your you know closest to perfection movie that you've done? Like what's the the movie you feel that's your best?" And he said, "Devil's Backbone." Hands down, even he knows it. Like he has never been able to come, you know, close to that. And uh, once the director says that, and he's been involved in really great movies. I mean, that tells you a lot, right there. Yeah, he's never disappointed me. Like I know a lot of people hate um, Pacific Rim. I even love that movie personally. I like Kronos. I like Mimic. Yeah. You know, like he, he's a Blade Two is a particular favorite of mine. That's yep. actually, like, the best one, in my opinion. Yep. Um, but, yeah, Hellboy 2 is my favorite comic book movie. I have a huge affinity for that. But, like, yeah, um, Devil's Backbone is his best because the things that will get to you the most in that film are is the realistic parts of it. And, and the, the fact that it took place during World War One and the unexploded bomb. I mean, there's just so much in it. Like, it's a, it's an intricate, beautiful, brutal movie. You know what yep. I mean? It's yep. like an acorn. You put it in the ground, and, like, the movie is the tree that comes out of it, and it's it's wonderful. But, like I said, it's it'll stick with you, and it'll definitely <laughs> kick you right in your feels balls. Yeah. Man. The good thing about that movie, though, and I'm sure, I don't, Zod, you've seen Devil's Backbone, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we could all agree is even, like, it's an old movie now. It's been, been out for a while. But you could always put it on, watch it, and it's still a great movie. Like, it's not dated. Like, it doesn't feel like a, like a bad old movie. Like, it's still a movie that haunts you. Like, you watch it, like you said, it'll stick with you. And it's a movie that's like you, you watch it on high definition, and it feels like it's a perfectly... Brilliantly, beautifully shot movie. Even like the cinematography in there is just uh, gorgeous. I mean, like the shots are beautiful. Uh, you know, everything. The the era is captured perfectly with like, the way everybody's dressed and the actors are all perfectly cast. And it's it's Spaniard. You know, like the way they speak and it's very authentic to the time and the period. So, I mean, that when it comes to like capturing, you know, elements like that. Uh, the movie did a great job. Uh, unfortunately, guys, we're out of time here. We only have a couple of minutes left uh, before we have to wrap it up. But I did want to give uh, you know you guys a, a chance to uh, plug away your uh, next endeavors online before we wrap up. Um, Zaid, I know you have uh, another show that you participate on, and I'm sure you want to give uh, times oh, yeah, and dates yeah, or anything. Yeah, anything yeah, special happening on there? 
Yeah, I'm on, uh, you know, I'm with this group of guys on YouTube called The Four Nerds. We do it every Thursday night at 7.30 uh, Eastern, and it's on YouTube, and uh, it's it's a fun little show. I, I hope, uh, hope what everybody locals? <laughs> gets a chance to listen to it, enjoys it, and then uh, I got the Zod Rider show on Tuesday nights here, here on PSN at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, and then, of course, the Roundtable show at 10 p.m. Eastern on Thursday nights here on PSN. You're a busy fella. Busy yeah. Man. And, uh, you know, we uh, we hope that uh, all the shows uh, continue doing well, especially the PSN ones, because, you know, PSN radio. Plus, SoFlo Radio, by the way, you're being carried on both, just so you yeah, know. Yeah, definitely. And uh, shout-outs to uh, George, R.I.P. Um, Johnny? Anything uh, coming up? I know you, uh, you've you been busy with other things, but uh, you have anything uh, you're going to post on the uh, YouTube there? Well, I mean, much like Zod, I got a weekly show, uh, Nerds from the Underground. Uh, yep. We moved to uh, new episodes every Tuesday night. Um, well, uh, Tuesday. Like, I put them up on, at the end of Monday night. But yep. uh, <laughs> um, I think next up, uh, we're going to be talking about I, I forget which the next episode's up. But, yeah, you can find um, Nerds from the Underground. That's the name of the show. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, um, and the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. We're on and a couple other streamers too. I don't know all their names. I'm not. I'm not hip and young like that. Um, <laughs> and um, for the most part, like right now, I am still working really hard on this um, kind of retrospective, like really special video I'm trying to make about how I became such a weird comic book reader and like how I got into the type of comic books I did. Um, and I, I really want it to be special. So like I've been toiling away on the script and what i want to do with it and it should be done soon hopefully and if not i might put out a regular video or two just to, because it's been almost a month since my last video and i feel like shit about that but yeah um graphic vandalism is the name of my channel and i'm tired so i'm rambling like an old man so i'm gonna the go ahead graphic and stop right vandal now. himself <laughs> johnny alpha grand the johnny grand vandal, vandal. Yeah, there you go. So Don't since you guys since, gone. since you guys are both doing shows with nerd in the title, maybe we should bring rebrand this show to like uh, Geeks of the Roundtable. No, I don't like geeks. I, 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 <laughs> I do not bite the heads off of chickens and drink blood. Like, that Why is not? a term that I will never put on myself. I did it the one time. Leave me alone, okay? I'm not, I'm not owning that anymore. <laughs> nerd, nerd, <or> <laughs> you can be like our Aussie. Instead of bats, you do chickens. <laughs> I'm not, I don't like being called a dork because a dork is a whale's penis, and I don't like being called a geek because a geek like bites the heads off of live chickens, man, and that's gross. Like I eat my chickens, <laughs> eat my chickens dead, goddammit. <laughs> so no dorks of the round table, no geeks of the round table, nerds of the round table, but uh, you know that's uh, that'll be a trifecta of nerds for the two of you. So I guess we're just the round table. Yeah, we'll have to be. Yeah. The epic round table. We'll be back next week, Thursdays, 10 p.m., hopefully live again on psn-radio.com. And, of course, SoFlow Radio. Till then, check out for that bedtime intruder. Make sure he doesn't get you because he's coming for you. He's climbing in your windows. He's snatching your people up. Trying to rape them so y'all need to hide your kids. Hide your wife. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. And hide your husband because they're raping everybody.